Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It's Wednesday, February 19th, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Steve Say. Back in the room. Mr. Bob Ryer. Mm, howdy. And Miss Stephanie Cook. Hello. All right. So if my calculations are correct, this when this show is over, I, I believe we will have had seven hours of Talking Comics content in the last seven days. So... <laughs> <laughs> between our podcast last week, our interview with Marissa Stodder, which is still up there, the She Makes Comics Kickstarter, which you guys should definitely, definitely check out if you haven't yet, and uh, the launch of the Misfits podcast, uh, hosted by our very own Stephanie Cook. I um, did a thing. You did a thing. And that's uh, that's up on the Talking Comics feed right now, guys. Um, obviously up on the site as well. Uh, in the future, it'll be on its own feed, so we'll let you know, obviously, when that comes out. Just look, look for the site and on Twitter and Facebook. But, I definitely uh, should have mentioned that on the podcast. It's all right. It's all right. I'm listening on this podcast, so I'm guessing there's a lot of crossover between the <laughs> listeners. So uh, everybody knows there will be a separate feed uh, going forward, but we'll, uh, we'll get to that when we get to it. Um, but I think we all listened, and I want to say great job, Stephanie. It was, it was a good, cool very does. good show. Indeed. Thank you. I have to also say thank you to Mara and Melissa, who made it fun and exciting to talk about all kinds of other geeky things outside of comics so yeah and comics as well but yeah. you know um, but real books and games and yes. cosmetics and cosmetics I yes know. <laughs> we don't talk about, because... about a lot of cosmetics on this show no Is it nicholas cage lipstick nicholas yes cage lipstick yeah amazing okay but for context there's like a lipstick or like a cosmetic sign you that shouldn't has give like context i should have to listen to the show to know yeah, what we're talking about but there's nick cage lipstick but to find yeah. out go listen to the misfits <laughs> exactly <laughs> But I promise we talk about other things besides makeup. Yes. Makeup's like one percent of the show. Yeah, I want. I really like do want to read that the Shining Girls book that you talked about because it sounds awesome. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> you'll. I think you'll like it. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, just so everybody knows, um, there's listening out there. I always say, when I say this, it's not. It's not like not gonna be a short show. It's gonna be a shorter show than normal because I am not feeling very well and talking for three hours is gonna do a number on my throat. So. Basically, we're going to give you what would be amount to usually the first half of the show, which would be uh, we'll do a little bit of news, do our books, do the releases, and then we're going to get out of here. Um, <clears throat> so let's jump right into the news. Bob, you've done it uh, again. Uh, yes. Bob has done it again. The Bob Ryer, has canceled the book. The, the Ryer curse. The Ryer curse strikes again. The movement is ending with issue number 12. Um, Bob, how did you feel when you heard this news? Not surprised, but sad mm -hmm. i have to give dc credit for allowing this to come to what seems to be a natural conclusion at the end of a second arc it would be very easy to cancel a book that's selling six thousand copies it's going to be even with digital sales way below mm -hmm. break even forget just a cutoff line so allowing her to do what she needs to do to 
wrap up this storyline, hopefully to leave these characters in a place where they can be used by someone else. She wrote a really lovely sort of farewell letter on her Tumblr page, you know, saying Dan DiDeo and, mm-hmm. and everybody and uh, being so supportive and mm-hmm. trying a book that's not in Metropolis, not in Gotham City with basically all new characters yeah. was a gamble. Uh, their PR department fouled it up. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to say that till mm-hmm. my dying day. It's a book that deserves much more attention than it was getting. We, I certainly tried for whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever my influences except getting books canceled. <laughs> but we're, we're in there pitching. There'll be two great trade paperbacks to there read from here on in. Yeah. And hopefully someone uses these characters in a respectful way moving forward. Yeah, and she, she does say, and the one thing she says on that page I think is important is if you do like the book and you're upset about this cancellation don't stop buying the book for the last couple of issues Yes, because that's probably going to tell DC whether or not they should use these characters in other books. And she, she points it out in, in her, in her letter about the book ending. Um, so I think people, if you're, if you're enjoying the book and now you're like, well, maybe I'll just wait to the trade. I think it's, it's something, if you've gone this far, you know, I think there's like See you through. Yeah, three more three issues, more issues. stick with it. Uh, I think it's the right thing to do, but uh, yeah, it's, like we've been talking about it for we we thought this this was coming months ago, um, and the fact that they got they've gotten this far and they're going to end, uh, get to end her run and uh, her story out in, in at least a way that she wants to. I think it's nice because I think that it speaks to probably the respect they have for her and the quality of the book. So I'm happy to see that it's going to get an, an, a proper ending, uh, but I am sad that I'm not going to be reading it uh, every month. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I I mentioned I was on one of the forums that. What's really important here in, the, in this new world we're trying to create in comics, mm. things are more diverse, and mm. there are going to be missteps, and there are going to be books that need to be supported that we mm. have to look at, and not to buy things blindly, not to right. just buy them because, well, I, I should, mm. but when they're good, as I said to somebody, instead of buying a second variant glow-in-the-dark cover of some book you're already getting, <laughs> maybe a book you're trade waiting for mm-hmm. needs the support. Right. Month to month. Yeah, you might not get the trade. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Steve, I know you're also a fan uh, of the movement. I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like Bob, I wasn't surprised by any stretch of the imagination that it was getting canceled. And uh, But I was, again, I, I was sad. Mm-hmm. You know, I really enjoyed it. I've, I've grown into really loving the characters. And uh, it was a book that, for its time, felt important mm-hmm. that like, it, it should be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked... Coral City. I yeah. still well, yeah. not liked. I still like Coral City, and I think it was a really cool companion city to Gotham. Mm-hmm. And it was like the the Batgirl crossover happened, and it was like, oh, these you know, there's other places to have you know the scum of of the earth and stuff like right. that. And uh, we got a lot of great characters out of it. Hopefully, if it does you know sell well in its final issues, or it's got like a cult following kind of thing, they'll bring the characters into other stories, and we'll get to see them that way. Yeah, absolutely. At least for now. I know in, in the past we, we've seen, you know, when books have ended uh, on both sides, uh, stories breaking in odd ways and, and kind of creators speaking out and maybe kind of in, in things that can be in ways that be called less than classy at, at times. Stephanie, how do you feel about the way that she kind of told the world that the book was ending? Um, I mean, I think it's kind of nice to do it on your own terms. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, it, there's something, you know, just kind of, disconnecting if you catch it on bleeding cool mm-hmm. from rich johnson right but like i mean who also by the way got in a fight with dan Slott, yeah, it was awesome. really yeah that. it was great i saw that, that was crazy. it was like 
a half day fight on Twitter yeah. where they just passive aggressively in the third person pass notes to one each other online. But anyways, yeah. but there's something impersonal about hearing about it on a news feed mm-hmm. and it's like, sorry, you said she did it on Twitter, right? She did it on Tumblr. Tumblr. Oh, and Tumblr. Oh, yeah. I saw it on Twitter and I just assumed that was the first place it went up. But no, Tumblr. Um, I think it's nice that creators like, and especially in the case of Gail Simone, where if they're like the book got canceled and then fans will just like lose their shit. Yeah. You know, like, we've learned that after she was taken off Batgirl that if there's not something to be like, all right, let's chill out. This is okay. News. We're okay with it. It sucks, but we're okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like people can just, I mean, it's the internet, right? We get mad about everything. <laughs> there's, true. you can't make everybody happy, especially on the internet. Mm-hmm. So, um, when it comes from the creator, it's a little less of a, one two punch to the gut yeah and it, it was a very classy note and I, I'm, I'm glad that she did it in, in the way she yeah. did it yeah, she told people not to lose their stuff <laughs> yeah basically Guys. it's yeah. only what she said she said don't lose your stuff um and the, the marvel solicitations just came out uh and they were on cbr um this is obviously record this tuesday night she's apparently writing an issue of savage wolverine that was mm. just announced uh, and yeah her tomb raider episode or issue from dark horse comes out today does it come out today? Is that a today I thing? I believe so, yeah. Very nice. I believe that's a thing. There's a Tomb Raider Deluxe Edition sale going on right now. Okay. If you head over to Amazon, I believe, for the next... Oh, wait. No, by the time people hear this, yeah, it'll be probably done. be over. Damn. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I tried to save you like 30% or Wanted something. Wanted to get more of the Laura Croft that would be in that book. But yeah, her, her book, her Laura Croft book for... Uh, for Dark Horse, I mean, I'm I'm excited to check that out because I want to see what she she does with that character, um, who is obviously had a comeback, I guess, in in the newest game, but was not never known as a a great symbol of uh, no. femininity in in the past. So well, she couldn't do oh. something like what she did with Red Sonia. Yeah, exactly. For the character it could be really cool. Yeah, Stephanie, what are you saying? Totally lied. It's out on the 26th. Oh, there you go. I'm a liar. You're a liar. Pants are on fire. So <laughs> don't yell at your comic book people. Don't yell at your comic book shop. No, when they come in yelling, Stephanie said. Yeah. <laughs> you don't understand. Well, Stephanie later took back what she said. It's true. But what if they just stopped listening at that point? And ran right to the store. Yeah. Well, then that's your fault, people. <laughs> Listen. They're hearing this now. Now they feel warning. stupid. You're making it and worse. And they don't have the book. Well, that's horrible. <laughs> Somebody somebody wasn't going to buy that variant to get Tomb yeah, Raider. Exactly. <laughs> well, now they have warning that they have, you know, days. They it's have a, it's a, a week. Yeah. <laughs> a week. I was about to say like two weeks, but apparently I don't know how to do math. No, but it's a week. It's definitely a week. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> with news of, of a book ending, we got news of a, a new book uh, starting. Uh, Greg Rucka is returning to Marvel and to, and to work for hire to write a Cyclops uh, ongoing series. Um, it will focus on the adventures of young Cyclops, uh, original X-Man Cyclops, and his space pirate father, Corsair, who is the leader of the Star Jammers. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be a kind of a ro- like a, a road trip uh, in space uh, type of book. Uh, the art is by Russell uh, Dowderman, who was uh, an artist on Nightwing. I don't know what else he has done. Um, So, Steve. Yeah. Greg Rucka, Cyclops, what do you think? Okay. (laughs) Uh, I I was not 
excited by the prospect of a solo Cyclops when I first heard the news. And then about five minutes later, I learned that Greg Rucka was writing it. Mm-hmm. And then my, my interest in it became one. And, I, <laughs> and I'm, I'm now... I'm, they said it's going cosmic. Yeah, it's, all, it's like a space Cosmic adventure. road trip. Yeah. That could be cool. Mm-hmm. In the hands of Greg Rucka, that could be really cool. Uh, I'm not familiar with the artist, so I'd have to go online and check out a couple images mm-hmm. and such. But uh, yeah, it's right now it's all about the writer and the concept for me. If I see the art and the art looks like it's really cool, then I'll my interest will be, I guess, tripled. If that's three things that I'm excited yeah, it's for, three. yeah, all right, as opposed to one, Math. three. Mm-hmm. He also <laughs> does uh, Superbia with Grace Randolph. Oh, okay. uh, for Boom. Um, huh. So. Yeah, Bob, what do you think about Space this? pirates. <laughs> I mean, what else do you have to say? No, in the, the, the Shi'ar realm, if we the old Dark Phoenix mm-hmm. saga, whatever, they're fun characters, very varied. For those people who love Guardians, mm-hmm. this could be right up their alley. It's yeah. Fun characters doing great stuff. Their designs were wonderful mm-hmm. in, in their time. I'm sure they'll be tweaked somehow. Right. But it's his dad. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> Yeah. Space and pirates. Yeah. And I'm sure he will write a respectful Cyclops. Mm-hmm. He's not going to turn him into, <laughs> you know, nitwit brooding. Right. It's going to be a fun book with layers because mm-hmm. that's what Greg Rucker does. He made us all care about the Punisher, right, which yeah. none of us did. Yeah, that is true. Cyclops will be rescued, I think, in this for the people who, for now the last 15 years, he's a jerk and why did anyone <laughs> ever like him? Like he was a big character, and he was a a hero that we all loved in our period of reading the X Men. That's you what I heard. You didn't hate Cyclops; you loved Cyclops. He was the stand up guy with Gene, and having him back is going to be great. Yeah, Can't, looking much looking forward to this. When I saw, same as you, Steve, Ooh. Cyclops. Yeah, who cares? More of this junk. I don't want to read. Rucka. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. looking so, at the artist now. Um, yeah, it's good. I'm in. Yeah, the, the promo image they put out is, is beautiful as well, uh, the one they put out. Uh, uh, but uh, Stephanie, what, what do you think about this announcement? Well, initially I was going to say I couldn't care less. <laughs> but, I mean, Bob kind of made some good arguments that made it sound like Cyclops had potential under Greg Rucka. So I <laughs> Thanks. care. <laughs> what? Nothing. I care a bit more than I did when you first told me this a couple of minutes ago. <laughs> so, I mean... My Yay. job here is done. Mm-hmm. Yay. I don't know. I I have like I with the exception of Black Widow and Miss Marvel and, you know, the Punisher and a couple other things from Marvel, I just increasingly care less and less about the things that they do because every time I get hooked in with a new book, they lose me with one of their damn events. Hmm. So like whenever you know, like I loved all new X Men and all that stuff and then it was actually one of my favorite books and then I haven't read that since about Battle of the Atom. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of, everything has a little less value to me when it gets announced, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, right. It just, it's like, well, I'd be excited for that if they weren't going to ruin it in six issues. <laughs> so, know, if it can stay away from events, it could be really great. Yeah, it seems like the kind of book that would, just because how it's so far removed from, if they're going to be gallivanting around space. Yeah. Um, nope, ro- you just watch Guardians of the Galaxy. They'll tie it in. Bob well, called it right yeah. there. But um, <laughs> what I'm saying is that it, I also don't think that you do. If you look at a lot of these solo books, these kind of fringe solo books, they don't usually get roped in to mm-hmm. a lot of the events. You know what I, I mean? I hope not. Like, um, I mean, obviously, I'd be willing to check out the first couple of issues. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to condemn it. Um, 
right away. I mean, I don't really have much interest, but I do want to check it out for the sake of being able to talk about it and, you know, giving it a chance. Right. So th there'll definitely be um, issues bought, but whether I like it and continue to read it once, you know, it's out is mm. another story entirely. Of course, of course. I mean, I'm all over it, obviously. I love Rucka's work and um, I'm, I'm happy to see him back. Maybe maybe once I read the rest of like, because I started reading the Punisher uh, run yes. from mm. Rucka. So maybe once I get into that a bit more, I'll be like, all right, I can see what he can do with Cyclops. I can see potential. There is light on the in the horizon. What? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his Punisher runs what did it for me. Yeah. After that, it was Wonder Woman. So. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, if you, you should, yeah. everyone should read his Wonder Woman to oh, read amazing. how the character can be done. It has so many, so many of the things that people love about Wonder Woman in it. It has the politics. It has all the gods. It has the action. It has the... Just she's got that that presence about her. That yeah, that's the perfect word. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And Thank you, sadly, you know, he was invented out of that book, basically. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, he's got look. Go break Maxwell Lord's neck. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you deal with it now. What? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, those are the two big news stories. And seven, you were mentioning um, when talking about uh, the the possibility of Guardians of the Galaxy showing up in in the, in the, the Cyclops book. It, uh, you made me think about the, one of the books that you're going to be talking about today, which is you're going to be talking about the Angela trade paperback that you read. Um, so did you end up reading it because of her appearance in Guardians? Well, sort of. Um, wait, no, not sort of. Entirely, yes. <laughs> um, I I read the character when I was... I mean, I'm way behind on Guardians uh, mm. of the Galaxy right now, but obviously she got introduced to that series, and I was like, she kicks ass! And I kind of wanted to find out more about her character. Uh, and, like, I, I kind of looked up stuff. But it's hard when they're, they're not really necessarily primary characters. They don't always have solo books or anything, you know. And trying to find stuff to enjoy can be difficult. But Angela does have, you know, her own um, book and... Are we getting into books of the week? Yeah, that, that was my segue. Thank you for. Oh. <laughs> I was just checking. I was ruining like, the segue. I was just yeah. checking to make sure this wasn't like you wanted to come back to be like, no, I was oh, just... Guardians of the Galaxy. Nope. In case you're wondering why we don't talk about that. No, 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 no. Um, but yeah, no, and I mean she gets her own solo book, but it's written by Neil Gaiman mm -hmm. and Greg Capullo does the art. What? Like, yeah. 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 Capullo, um, sorry, Gaiman created the character. Yes. Yeah, I knew yeah. that. Yeah. But I did and not know that this this combination existed. Existed? Yeah. Oh yes, my friend. You just John. blew my mind, man. You're welcome. Thanks. Sold already. Thanks. Um, but I've never read anything Spawn before, and I only learned about the character again in Guardians of the Galaxy. So this was kind of my chance to explore, you know, what she's all about. And uh, this character, or well, the story in particular, kind of takes place. Um, you know, in her home world and Angela, like at heart, I mean, she's an angel. Um, and at heart though, she's a hunter. Like her job is to protect worlds and, you know, hunt things. Um, and you, you kind of meet her in this story on her birthday. It's a very Aww. big number. She's been alive for a very long time, but she looks good for her age. Yes. <laughs> she's keeping it tight. She is. <laughs> Um, that Zumba. Yeah. I don't know if she's dying her hair or not, but <laughs> it's it's looking good. Mm -hmm. Still very natural. Mm -hmm. And 
she's you know she's in the wintry wilderness and she's in a bikini basically mm-hmm. and you know most comics wouldn't explain something like that but neil gaiman felt the need to explain that <laughs> her pretty ribbons keep her warm <laughs> so you know i learned something mm-hmm. her ribbony things keep her warm <laughs> i don't know what i'm talking sn- about if you're trapped but... in the snowy wilderness the first yeah, thing yeah i mean most ribbons. of the time they're just scantily clad and no one really knows why but they keep her body temperature at a pretty consistent temperature you should so, sell those in canada yeah. i think so clothing aside how do you like the book <laughs> i'm sorry i'm so what <laughs> anyways it's really good um there's appearances by spawn in it as well and you know uh uh something happens to angela and she winds up kind of on trial uh for treason against the angels and um Spawn, she tried to kill Spawn, like Spawn and her are not friends. She, she wanted him dead, very dead, all the dead, the most dead, 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 dead. And he winds up kind of getting roped into being a witness for her at her trial. Mm-hmm. Um, and something else happens. And then they're on an adventure together. But they don't like it. <laughs> Anyways, um, it was really good. I just thought the story was interesting and compelling and it's kind of that typical um who done it who set me up kind of story and it 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 was good and i mean it's not particularly long it won't take you too long to get through but i mean it's writing by neil gaiman and art by greg pulo like mm-hmm. you really can't go wrong there there's just no does it feel very neil gaiman like not like I wouldn't say that it's kind of um, something that feels like his novels or even really his comics, too. It it kind of has its own um, personality. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's parts where you can um, you can tell it's his writing and like, you know, the way he'll kind of uh, describe bits and of the world and what's going on and the dialogue too. But um, it's well written and you just kind of get absorbed in that itself. Um, And the art's awesome. And, you know, the first few pages Bob would probably hate because it's just like lots of TNA. (laughs) You're probably right. (laughs) I'm just like, whoa, how are we not? I feel like, there should be pixels. <laughs> <laughs> pixels in some of these. Well, what, um, what year did it come out? First time around? Uh, I don't even know. Middle 90s? Probably, I'm going to say. Um, so I'll, right in the middle of the what is, bad um, girl era. Yeah. What's Greg Capullo's art like in it compared to what he's doing now in Batman? I mean, obviously it's different. But, um, I mean, it's an older... There's different you know, technologies then uh, to, for printing. And it, it, it's kind of a bit more rough around the edges, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if I would have known it was his art if I didn't specifically read that it was. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still good. And, you know, all artists, that's a good thing. Artists should evolve mm-hmm. over time. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it also kind of, um, in Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, Angela is exiled. Like, she's exiled herself from the angels. And this is basically the story of how that happens to her. Hmm. So, um, if you 
are enjoying her as a character or did enjoy her as a character. Um, it's an interesting kind of little origin. I guess it's not like really an origin story, but it gives you some background into the character and, um, you know, by some people you may have heard of. Let me ask you this. How is, how is she treated as opposed to the, the Neil Gaiman stuff versus what she's in now with guardians of the galaxy? Does it feel like the same character? Um, I haven't, I've only read one issue of her Mm. in the guardians of the galaxy stuff. Like, uh, so I don't know too much if I can, if I don't know if I can speak on this too much, but, um, like, can you give me like some backstory into like what she's kind of doing without spoiling it? Well, she's, it's I've, tough to explain cause she's talking about more like character. Yeah. Beats, like right? her, yeah. her personality. She just, she's not at all what I expected her to be. Cause I'd never read her in any books. And when she arrived at, in guardians of the galaxy, it was not what I expected. She was a lot more take charge and a bit sassy and just was very put together. I expected her to be a lot more, um, like kind of far away and talking like really like grandiose terms and like no. she's she's from heaven so I expected her to to kind of be you know glowing and shit. No, she's <laughs> definitely very um, confident and she's very you know sure of herself. She knows she's a good hunter. She knows she Sounds was right. one of the best yeah. angels. Um, like she's not afraid to say so. She's not modest. Um, and she is very sure of herself and just able to be like you know. Nice. If, if there's an enemy that the rest of the world says is impossible to kill, she'd be the first to be like, it's not impossible. I can do it. So, yeah. So that, it yeah. sounds like they, at least they got her spirit. Yeah. If not like down to everything, they, at least mm. they got that. Yeah. yeah. She has a lot of attitude and she doesn't take shit from people. And, um, you know, like she knows she's sexy and you know, she just embodies a lot of the qualities that you kind of, uh, like a lot of women wish that they embodied, I guess, you know, she's just, she doesn't, you know, she just, again, she doesn't take shit from anybody. Like she just yeah. knows what she wants and mm-hmm. she goes for it. All right, cool. So that, it's just called Angela. Is that the, yeah, it, okay. I mean, I believe that's what it's called. I just like got it by looking up Angela trade paperback. I mean, there's only one Neil Gaiman. Okay. Uh, story written, uh, by him. Cool. For, well, anyways, I'm not making. I'm making less. You, you sense made a lot of sense. Purple. No, so you're fine. <laughs> um, Angela by Neil Gaiman and Greg Capullo. Awesome. awesome. Um, I think it's like probably five or six issues, maybe. Nice. And I believe it's collected as well. Nice. Yeah, I, I saw a couple. I was looking online. Um, so you're just full of surprise this week, Stephanie, because the next book that you want to talk about is Catwoman number twenty-five. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, yeah what's going on? I tweeted about it, like. Um, Last week, because I wasn't sure if I was going to get around to talking about it, um, but I did want to mention it because it took me by surprise. Um, so, the Catwoman number twenty-five is um, the year zero, the zero year okay. stuff, but for the Catwoman story. So, this is written by Chu Chu's uh, John Layman, mm-hmm. um, and let me see if I have the art still. Who did the art? Uh, Aaron Lepresti. Lepresti. Okay. Lepresti. But I mean, you guys know I've been hating Catwoman since, you know, she was relaunched with yeah. the DC 252. And she just was everything that I thought she shouldn't be. And I read this issue and she was so spot on. Hmm. I don't know, like, if John Lehman is a big Catwoman fan or not, but I just felt like 
he nailed her story. Um, it's it's an origin story in a sense where she's Selena Kyle. She's not yet Catwoman, hmm. um, but she still wants to help the city, and she's doing that by, by kind of being um, someone who is getting into mischief, but for the good of people around her. Um, there's like a big storm coming in and this, uh, she's kind of a Robin hood character mm. a bit in this story. And, um, you know, in the first couple of issues of the Catwoman that I wound up hating, she was just, <laughs> she was, she wasn't sexy. She was slutty and like yep. unabashedly slutty, like just, you know, like cozying up to mafia people. And, you know, it wasn't like the, yeah, her narrative was being like, ew, this is gross. Like, you were just led to believe that she was enjoying cozying up to these skis bags. <laughs> and, you know, she does sort of the same sort of thing. Like, she has to wind up at a party and um, you kind of cozy up to people. But her inner narrative, she's still being sexy. But at the same time, she's like, I hate this. I hate this so much. But, hmm. you know, I have to do this to get closer to them, but she's not all compromising her ideals either. Like she's, she's not being slutty. She's being, I guess, more flirtatious, which is how I kind of see her as, as opposed to just growth. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know I'm kind of getting into a lot of details and I, I'm pretty sure there's yeah. been a couple issues of Catwoman since this. Um, but I, I don't know what compelled me to go back and check it out. But I did, and I'm so glad. I'm really actually bummed that he's not writing more Catwoman. Because even though... It's an Andocenti on it right now, right? I think she's still the main writer, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, even though, you know, you would think that maybe a female writer would do more justice to the character. He's the closest I felt, you know, like, mm. being like, yes! Fucking right! <laughs> Since this whole thing started. She right. just felt more Catwoman to me, even though she's only Selena Kyle. Mm -hmm. You had me for a bit. I <laughs> thought he was on the book. No, for good. I know. That's what, and then it was like Googling things. I'm like, oh, when's the next issue out? And <laughs> I gotta, then I like looked up 26 and I'm like, oh. I got to tell you the whole time that you're talking, I'm like, I'm like, I'm going in the shop tomorrow. I'm going to go pick him up. All right, Catwoman, we're back. You should totally read 25 though. I know, no, I'll look for 25. But when you when you like and then and I'm like, oh, God, don't don't do it. And then you said it. And yeah. I'm like, oh, 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 no. Yeah. But I will look for 25 tomorrow. I'll check it out. Um, It just surprised me. Um, I felt like it was a little weird that DC chose to have Terry Dodson do the cover for it. But, you know, it looked like knockoff Catwoman when Adam Hughes did the cover. <laughs> felt like they were trying to lure people in with a false a lie of a cover i love terry dodson's art but for me he's like marvel's adam hughes well, adam, adam <laughs> hughes's catwoman is very very specific mm -hmm. yes you know who he bases her on right yes audrey hepburn yep. <laughs> no he says it constantly yeah no i believe you yeah. but yeah no i mean that's it's art still beautiful i mean i'm not mm -hmm. taking it away from that at all um but it, it was a great issue to me. And I don't know like if it'll be great to everybody, but maybe my bar was just so low <laughs> that, I mean, it really basically had to, 
it was so low that you basically could have just walked over it, like shuffled over it. It was basically <laughs> like in the ground, you know, buried. It was a root. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I just thought it finally felt like that hand was reaching out of the ground and being like, I survived. <laughs> So. It's Carrie. It's the end of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed it. And maybe talking about it and getting people to pick up 25 would tell DC that we'd really liked John Layman's work on it. Hmm. He's he's exiting DC altogether, though, at this point, because um, he's done with Detective and he left Eternal. So he's going back to do like his creator own stuff. Hmm. I feel like it would be hard to go from creator stuff to like a lot of people do. Hmm creator stuff afterwards but if it would be weird to go to marvel or dc after being able to have free reign over all of your stuff right if, if, if you were just doing if you started that way like he did yeah yeah because a lot of people go back and forth but yeah he was doing two all those years and then went to them i mean he did a good job on detective by all accounts and i've been enjoying gothtopia this his stuff there yeah so uh we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully that his stuff ends up well but uh that's catwoman number 25 um and we'll end up with a, a not-so-surprising book, which is uh, Batman number 28. Now, there is a big spoiler at the end of this book that we'll get to uh, <laughs> yeah, later. Uh, we won't talk about that right away. Um, so we, um, but uh, other than that, that big reveal at the end of the book, Stephanie, uh, how did you feel about Batman number 28? Well, your text was like the one that tipped me off to what was going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, you didn't say anything. Yeah. And I was so behind on, I think I was at like, I don't know, 24, 25. Okay. Of, like I hadn't read, I had a ton of issues to read still. Mm. And you texted me and were like, did you read 28 yet? And I was like, be right back, I go. Because <laughs> like, I knew you wouldn't have said anything to me about Batman yeah. if there was something like, that I shouldn't go check out mm-hmm. right away. So I sat in bed for like an hour and just, you know, when I was supposed to be doing emails and stuff, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, I've got to read this. I got to find out. And then, you know, it happens. And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> everything is right in the world. <laughs> um, but 28 itself was just full of awesome. I mean, um, with, there's there's some uh, Harper. We Harper. get to see Harper yeah. again, um, mm. and I promise you that's not your spoiler. No, no, no. Um, but for people who it, are not reading it, just so that people know, and uh, uh, this this is takes a break from Zero Year uh, to, to kind of tell a give people a taste of Batman Eternal, which is going to be the weekly series coming in, I guess, in a few months. Which I was okay with. Yeah, so it it, it goes it breaks forward for a little bit. And uh, we get Return of Harper Rowe, who has now kind of become a, a, a badass of her own. Yeah. yeah. And I, I like, you know, she's kind of got this, uh, she's got definitely her own flair, but she's kind of got that uh, Carrie Kelly kind of spunk to her. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, mixed with, not only does she have street smarts, but she has like smart smarts. <laughs> uh, and... I was really happy to see her reappear and um, in the capacity that she did. Mm-hmm. Um, it leads into, you know, uh, an interesting scene 
where you know our big reveal happens. There's a couple big reveals. A couple in reveals, it. yeah. Yeah, um, and there's just there's all these other goodies too. There's a lot of uh, throwbacks to, um, you know, all these uh, other characters. Like I, I don't know. I thought like there was a little homage to Nightwing in there. Yeah, absolutely. A bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just all kinds of other stuff. Um, and uh, I kind of want to quickly talk about, tie this in, because there was um, an article that somebody showed me the other day about um, a little girl and mm-hmm. uh, this comic that she made and handed out to a bunch of creators. And she created a character uh, at a convention. They They did a thing where it was like, create your own superhero. Mm. And she won like a contest for making the most creative um, costume. And she created a character called Bluebird. Um, and uh, she went around and got pictures with like a ton of creators. And she wrote a comic about it and handed it out. And, you know, uh, she gave one to Scott Snyder too. And this girl's mother, uh, I think she's the San Diego Batgirl. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anyone's familiar with her. Anyways, whatever. But you would know what I was talking about if you know what I'm talking about, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But this little girl had this, like, profound effect on a ton of people. And, you know, she made this, like, really great little comic and, you know, self-published this whole thing. And Kelly Sue DeConnick and Matt Fraction actually paid her for it. They Mm -hmm. refused to let her just give it to them because she put so much work into it and all this stuff. There are good people out there. <laughs> um, but like, and then the little girl screamed, I'm a professional. Though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You read it, right, yeah. Bob? Yeah. Yeah. I know I'm getting sidetracked, but I swear there's a tie-in. No, it absolutely um, is a tie-in, yeah. But it's this just great story about this little girl. And Scott Snyder, you know, the mother posted this story after uh, Batman 28 came out. And, um, and then Scott Snyder... You know, the mother was like, I don't know if um, this character was all inspired by my daughter. uh, But either way, thank you so much. This, you know, means the world to her. And I'm going to pretend that, you know, it was inspired by her and Mm. la la la. And Scott Snyder then posted a photo of him with her comic, which Mm. is still on his desk at work. Mm. So um, let's see. Michael Andres. uh, sent me the link and I was just like, there's so many feels. Yeah. And I forwarded it to Bob. I don't know if he had read it at that point in time or not, but <laughs> yeah. <sighs> anyways, so after reading that article and reading the story, it kind of made it a little more um, interesting. I don't know if Scott Snyder confirmed that the character was, I don't think he ever said all either. inspired, but yeah. I think he kind of left that to the mom to kind of either, you know, have her own personal thing or whatever. Yeah. But um, it just added a little more um, personal, like it had kind of a personal touch to it after I read that, even though it may or may not have been a part of it. Um, Anyways. So. Yeah. I want to ask you one other thing. I mean, you you mentioned um, in a, about Catwoman 25, about a great depiction of, of, of Selena and we have another depiction of Selena here in Batman number 28. Uh, what did you think about that? Uh, well, I think that this Catwoman 
is definitely a better Catwoman than we've seen so far outside of 25. Mm -hmm. Um, She's a little more uh, villainy than I think I'm used to. Mm. Like, she's not really uh, on the fence of, you know, like, anti-hero here. She's kind of just straight up not a good person. That's what it looks like. Yes. Because it's, yes. It's everything, there's a lot of mystery in, in, in this book. Yes. There's a lot of questions. It raises more questions, obviously, um, than it answers. Well, this um, is set, what, five years out? or I think so. It's something like that. that. Yeah, yeah. It's at, yeah, we're way past your year. We're into a, a whole other you know, area now. Yeah, this would take a place around like issue 36 or 42 or something. I don't know. Yeah, Somebody explained said, it yeah. to me. Yeah, he said, but, he, he said it's actually sort of from, like the middle of Eternal. Like w- yeah. it, where it would take place. Wow, they're putting that much ahead. Um, yeah. Crazy. I mean, the Catwoman, she she has elements of what makes her Catwoman to me. Um, and I still think she's a better version of what we've seen so far in the, uh, you know, current timeline of the DC 52. I'll say that instead mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, taking out 25. But right. um, I don't know. I think I'll have to read Eternal to see where they go with this character and to see if she's, you know, a proper in my world adaptation of the character. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to say, I know some people were uh, a little upset about the fact that it was a, a break uh, from zero year. And obviously there are, there are real reasons why that is. And Scott Snyder talks about those things, but that's only important just to know is because Capullo needed time to, you know, mm. catch up because there are definitely giant issues of zero year. Like, I mean, page count wise coming out, um, and he wanted to give him a chance to kind of be ahead and and reward him for always being ahead uh, on the book. Um, and so they decided to do this kind of this flash forward issue um, in, into 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 Eternal. Um, but I, I mean, I think the things a I think obviously a it works as I think a great you know ad for for that weekly because it's a, it's a great issue and it, and there's a ton of questions. How did Harper become who she is in, in this? Who's in the Batcave? giving them directions because you don't, you don't, you don't know, you don't see. And they, obviously it's somebody new cause they don't know how to, they don't know how to use the computers mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. Um, the Selena stuff is obviously there's some stuff intonated there where she talks about, you know, Batman leaving her on, on a rooftop. So we don't know like what, what happened between the two of them uh, in that situation. Right. So there's a lot of cool stuff. And I think that the, uh, the art by Dustin Wynn is, is awesome. Um, I love how his Batman really does look like the grown-up version of the little Gotham Batman. Mm-hmm. Like the way the cowl <laughs> is so low on his face, you yeah. know? It, it, he's got that same sort of, uh, of look to him, and I think that that's really, really cool. And I loved the uh, the Harper stuff. I think that, you know, we've been talking about her since since she started and since she appeared, and uh, I, I love that this is where kind of the character is being taken, and she's going to be a major player yeah. in, well, in the Batman universe. I know, like, a lot of people were afraid of the character she would be like mm-hmm. a lot of people after Damien mm-hmm. and she just is her own person. Yeah. Like she's just her own character. She's got her own set of priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's got her own idea of, you know, how to make things <laughs> right Excuse me. and how to help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that was Batman, uh, number 28. Um, we uh, I I don't know I don't know if we should even talk about the the, the last thing that happens, but let's say there's this is a spoiler warning for the next minute, so you guys know yeah. if you don't want to know the reveal at the end of Batman number twenty eight. Don't worry, it's not a huge 
like story spoiler. It, it's not. It's just a a, a, re- a reel of a character. So if you guys don't want to hear about it, just tune it was out. basically just a pull into Eternal for me. She's yeah. like right. So Stephanie Brown is back. She is spoiler Stephanie uh, waffles. <laughs> Um, it's, it's exciting. You know, it, it was, it was a cool reveal. It was a cool way to bring her back. It was a very high profile way, I think to, to bring her back, you know, in the biggest book uh, uh, that on the market. Right. Um, so it's exciting to see that character, you know, reappear. I had no idea. Be back in the conversation. No, neither did I. Yeah. Um, I didn't even, even when I turned the page, mm-hmm. I didn't look over at that page until I actually <laughs> was supposed to read that page. I very rarely do that. Cause right. when you turn the, you know, you turn a page, you yeah. see the whole thing yeah. in front of you. And for whatever reason, this time I did not look over. And so when I actually did look over, I like squealed. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Well, so. I kind of knew, I, I had an idea of what to expect. So, you know, when the rest of the book wasn't, you know, giving me that reveal, I was like, when they got to the end and it's, you know, leading up to someone being there, I was like, ah, that <laughs> And um, I was, needless to say, excited <laughs> about it. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so that was Batman 28. Stephanie also talked about the Angela trade paperback and Catwoman number 25. All right. Let's move over here. Let's go to Steve. Yay. Steve, you got a, an eclectic group of books. I do. I had to dig into the, uh, I had to dig into the bookcase. So let's talk about the new book first. Yeah uh cataclysm ultimate spider-man number three yeah man i uh i'm gonna get my notes here okay so this actually came out a couple of weeks ago okay i believe and then due to weather and shenanigans and whatnot uh our store wasn't able to get it until last week so i've been pretty much waiting for this issue maybe a month and a half to two months to come out the the last issue left on a huge cliffhanger with Miles Morales and his father face to face and in order to rest save his father's life he had to reveal mm. that he is the, the new Spider-Man mm. and so that happened at the last issue and then it didn't ship correctly and a few <laughs> weeks went by and I I've re- I've been loving excuse me Ultimate Comics Spider-Man from the beginning it's been great consistently all the way through the Venom Wars in particular were phenomenal. Uh, and it's been really heavy mm-hmm. emotionally. And I like that because if, if I'm emotionally invested in a character, it makes me care a lot more about what they're doing. Um, so the way that this book started, uh, the first page or so is this, uh, people are flying up in the air, just regular flight. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the air support comes in jets and they're like, you got to change course. You got to turn around. And he's like, I'm just about to land. Why would you tell me to turn around? And all of a sudden you see Galactus mm-hmm. in the sky, gobbling stuff up. And of course the plane, they don't make it. Right. But it felt like a really, like a badass before the, before the uh, credits mm-hmm. sequence. And for whatever reason, whatever mood I was in, I, I was really in the moment in that those couple of panels. And I really felt, like the danger and just the the what the hell is going on when you see this gigantic god basically mm-hmm. in the sky destroying your entire world. Uh so that was really cool and set up the you know I was like right back into the story. And the cool thing about the Ultimate Comic Spider-Man and Cataclysm is all this stuff's going on in the Ultimate Universe 
it's ending, it's not ending, it's changing, all of this stuff. There's a lot of different books that are covering it, and it's a lot of books and a lot of characters and a lot of teams that I'm not buying and I'm not reading, so I don't I don't have anything to anchor myself to their situations. But because I've been reading Ultimate Comic Spider-Man and Miles is pretty much like part and parcel with the whole event that I can follow the one character through the event and get pretty much everything that I need out of it mm-hmm. just by sticking with Spider-Man. Right. You know, and you get Spider-Woman and you get a couple of other really cool characters. Cloak and Dagger mm. have been in the book now for like an entire arc and, and then some. And uh, what was really cool about this was not only did you get the conversation between Miles and his father, which did not go well, uh, you get to see superheroes being superheroes. You get to see Cloak and Dagger transporting people from one end of the world to the other you know, engulfing entire blocks worth of people and bringing them to safety. Spider-Man basically being like, you know, this is who I am. This is what I got to do. And, you know, I hope you stay safe, but people need me. Mm. And it it had a lot of those, like, feel-good elements that we talk about when we talk about superhero comics, of them doing their jobs, doing what they were, you know, either born or made to do or what they feel they have to do, Mm. rather. Uh, so it was really cool, and it's really cool to see Miles growing into such a powerful character and a character that's worthy of wearing the Spider-Man outfit, and he gets it done. Mm. Is this the last issue of the... It's the last issue of the Cataclysm Ultimate comic Spider-Man. Yeah. I think I actually have to follow it into um, the final Cataclysm. The last issue? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, once I do, I mean, it's ending, it's ending real soon because that, that other series is starting <laughs> up, right? The, the restart of the Ultimate Universe, yeah. Right. It's about to begin again. Um, okay, cool. So there's one more issue left in, in this whole thing? Yeah. All right. Um, and you haven't been reading the other books, you said, right? No. Okay. Uh, I tried. I tried I tried maybe one or two of them and thinking that I would, you know, at least follow the mainline book. But mm. then I realized that if, if, really, if Spider-Man wasn't in it, mm. my my heart wasn't in it right it was just kind of like me totally makes sense yeah it really makes sense so i mean if you've been reading ultimate comic spider-man it's a really really great way to carry you through that event so you know like all the major plot points of what's going on i'm sure that when everything gets resolved he will be there in the end yeah well we know he he has the he's one of the books that are going to be out and he's leading one of the teams um so you a couple weeks ago you talked about you were kind of finally reading some stuff that you had gotten from joe kelly at New yeah. York Comic Con, yeah. last New York Comic Con, um, and uh, we actually should talk about that. They, that's what they made, but uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Uh, uh, so you took ticked another one off the list. I did. What 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 is what is this? This is nice. I like this conversation. Conversation. I like, I like how easy it is to move <laughs> into everything. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I I you know I got the chance to to hang out with him a bit, and one of the books I picked up off of his table was. Uh, something he did back in 2010 called four eyes Mm -hmm. and it's only one volume and it's a book that as good as it was desperately needs to be continued uh Mm -hmm. i've heard whispers of there being a number five in the works but i have yet to see any rock solid evidence aside from one tweet from joe kelly Mm -hmm. because i actually I, i went to the internet and i searched you know four eyes number five joe kelly blah 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 and it came up with a Twitter that said it was marked January 11th, but it was cut off, so I couldn't see the year. It was mm-hmm. 20 blank. And I'm like, oh, come on. That's <laughs> not cool, man. And I tried searching around. And I'm like, I'm just going to tell myself that it was January 11th of this year. 
and that it's happening and and so i can go to sleep and it'll, it'll all be good um yeah so i sat down with this book called four eyes and uh the setup for it is such there is a little boy named enrico and you're basically at the start of the book you're invited to share his greatest and most horrible memory they're both one and the same uh it's 1934 and we're in like a were we in new york I would have to, uh, there it is. Yes, we are in New York. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. So you're down by the sound and you're with your family, you're with your mom and dad. And it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous day. You're down at the water. And for once, for once in what feels like several weeks, your parents aren't arguing with one another. They fight constantly and you don't like it. You don't know why too, because they always try to do it in these hushed tones, but you could see it in their faces and it's in their body language. And so you're having this perfect day. They're getting along. And your dad says, go, by, go play by the water. I got to go take care of something. I'll be back. And if I'm not back in an hour, just wait longer. Mm -hmm. So Enrico, being the curious boy that he is, doesn't listen to his dad because he gets impatient. He says, I have this perfect day, but the thing that would make it even better would be having my dad here. So I'm going to go get him. And he basically comes upon a cave and there's a rope leading into the cave and he follows it. And as he's walking along into the darkness the rope starts to like, you know, crack back and forth and there's this rumbling sound and he's like, what the hell is going on? And he sees his father like tearing ass out of the cave, carrying like this big hunking uh, bag over his shoulder and flames just coming up behind him. It's like some like Indiana Jones (laughs) stuff. And in the process, the bag gets tossed and dropped. The fire comes and the father just gets obliterated gone uh and enrico is left with the property which is the bag and his mother and him collect it and they return to their home and essentially the father's boss shows up and says you know you guys are going to fall in hard times because your dad was the breadwinner you have nothing i'll offer you money for what it was that he was bringing out of the cave mm-hmm. uh fast forward a little bit this is a i'm not giving too much away trust me this is all set up mm-hmm. if you guys want to go and check it out uh they run out of the money very quickly and Enrico decides that he's going to go and take it upon himself to be the man of the house. He's going to go and earn. So he goes to his dad's boss and asks for a job and comes to find out that what he brought back out of the cave is a dragon. And they, his boss runs, think of like dog fights, but dragons. Mm. And he wants in on what's the family business. Mm. And the book goes on from there. Hmm. So that's your setup for Four Eyes by Joe Kelly. Um, it's It was really cool. It was really engaging. The artwork, uh, if I may, is by Max... Uh, I had this before. Fumera. Max Fumera. And I believe... Colors by... Oh, here we go again. <laughs> Colors by Nestor Pereira. Okay. I hope I got that right, Bob. Pereira. 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 There's a lot of Italian going on in this in this book. A lot of Italian names and, and such. Um, but it was really cool. It was one of those like little kid <laughs> fantasy stories, but a, a little bit more hard-edged. The kid really hates dragons. <laughs> really, really hates dragons. And uh, they mentioned something, though, at the beginning of the book, and it's funny how like you you're watching a show and somebody mentions... It's like you're watching Amazing Mm Spider-Man and they mention the device inside the lab that can, you know, shoot uh, 
a pollen or mm. chemicals into the air and blanket the city. Like, yeah, we're just going to mention that and walk right past it. And then, you know, in another hour and 10 minutes, you can remember it and we'll use it in the, in the final act and blah, blah, blah. Um, so apparently the humans have never actually touched the dragons. They handle them with gloves. They handle them with cables and such that if you happen to lay a hand upon the dragons, you bond with them. Mm. And once you bond with them, you bond with them for good. Mm. So the story, the story takes on a whole other, a whole other meaning for this kid. And they, Joe Kelly leaves it at the end of issue four, at the end of the collected trade at a, a spot where you're just like, you feel like you just watched the pilot episode for something really cool mm. that you want to mm. see the rest of it. Right. Uh, and like I said, there's whispers and I'm hoping he has mentioned on a few occasions in the last six months that he's starting to go back. <laughs> well, he brought bad dog back yeah. and bad dog is awesome. Yeah. So hopefully this is a trend and he starts to, when, when they're done and when they're ready, he'll solicit it and he'll put it out mm. and it'll come out as it comes. Mm. Um, I mean, at this point, I really wish that maybe he would just put another trade together and release mm. it all at once, you know, kind of like a, you know, rust volume one, volume right. two kind of deal. So, that being said, should people read it? Oh, yeah. Well, but since they're going to be, you know, kind of fiending for the second trade with nothing else out there, if is it worth it on its own to read it even without the, the other episodes of that TV show? I'll tell you this. Is it that good of a pilot? I've seen it for, like, almost nothing mm-hmm. in stores. Right. I've seen it in bargain bins. It's not like it's a... It's If you ordered it off of Amazon, <laughs> I'm sure it'd be a couple bucks. Even mm-hmm. if you ordered it from an official, like, Joe Kelly store or something like that, it wouldn't be any more than nine ninety nine. Yeah. I'm talking about emotionally, man. I'm talking about emotionally. Emotionally? Are you, are you going to be satisfied just reading this volume one with no volume two out there? Uh, entirely? Probably not. Okay. Probably not. Uh, you're definitely going to have questions. Mm-hmm. And, and just, you're... They they give you the taste of something that you knew was coming that you knew was going to open up the story for you. Mm. So it's one of those things where, you know, they end it with the, you know, they're on the edge of the mountain and the sun's in the background and right. the, the hair is whipping <laughs> in the, you know, in the wind yeah. and it's just done, 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 done. And they're pulling back and then it just black. That's what it feels like. Mm. And then you're, you know, did you guys like this? And the crowd's like, bah. all right, cool. Well, season one will be, you know, next winter or whatever. Right. Uh I dug it, but I I think I I dug it more because I had it in my collection and it was there. Right. So, but if it sounds interesting to you, yeah, and you want to check it out, like I said, it's a it's a decently priced trade. You could probably find it in a bunch of shops, and it's totally worth the four issues to get whatever it is of the story. It's it's a cool story. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, so, so your last book, you uh, did a little list of shame. Uh, crossing off. Yeah, well, everybody's got one of those, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Comics that you just, you you have not read them yet. You should have. Yeah. And people tell you that you should have, but you just haven't gotten to it yet. And there are a lot mm-hmm. of those. There are a lot of those. So I'm at the point where what I have, my copy, I don't even know if it's my copy. That's how long I've had <laughs> this thing. Uh, I borrowed it from my friend Brendan, and then I might have found one in Rob's Basement of Wonders <laughs> and bought it from him and then brought... Anyway, it's... Uh, I finally got to read The Amazing Spider-Man Fearful Symmetry Craven's Last Hunt by J.M. DeMatteis and Mike Zeck and Bob McLeod. Uh, this is from what I understand. I mean, maybe Bob can speak on this a little bit. I mean, this is considered a Spider-Man classic, right? Mm-hmm. We're early 90s here, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think so. 
Uh, I think eight, actually eighty nine. Okay, I believe. Let me mm. check. First printing. Bah, bah, bah. So, what do you? Um, well, you talk about it. I will look up the yeah. date for you. All right, thanks. Yeah, it's collected from. What do we got here? We got uh, Web of Spider-Man numbers 32 and 33, Amazing Spider-Man 293 and 294, and Spectacular Spider-Man 131 and 132. Hmm. So, uh, and publishing a first print was 1989. Okay. Hmm. And, I mean, this, I don't have a whole lot of exposure hmm. to Craven. I've seen other versions of him, and I'm starting to question as to, like, I don't know if this was in continuity or not, or if it was like a standalone story. But with it being tied in so many issues, it I'm was sure. in continuity. Yeah, continuity. So yeah. it was. Yeah. So when he's when it's his last hunt, that was it. Well, it's comic books. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah but I mean, <laughs> the way the way he goes out is is pretty permanent. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Well, I think in recent years he was replaced by his daughter. Uh, yeah. Okay. Remember yeah. correctly? Okay. But uh, takes up the family business. Yeah. <laughs> Hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Spider Man. Yeah. Exactly. It was super intense, though. Yeah. Like really, really intense. Uh, Craven is. A bit of a, a psychotic, mm-hmm. and I didn't I didn't know that much about him. I see, you know, he's jumping around the city. Kind of looks like Tarzan, God Mad, mm-hmm. and he's he's a hunter. And I'm, I don't know. He's got a kick kick ass mustache. Yes, he does. <laughs> he does. He's sort of based. There's an old movie. It's from it's from a novel, Most Dangerous Game, mm-hmm. which has been remade. I can't tell you how many times, yeah. including once by Jean Claude Van Damme as <laughs> Hard Target, uh-huh. where he's uh, Craven is an aristocrat who thinks that the greatest prey is humans. Right. And so the greatest prey among humans would be a superhuman. Mm. What's that uh, That story? Um, the greatest game? That's what you're talking about, yeah. The okay. most dangerous game. Most yeah. dangerous okay, game. most dangerous, yeah. that's it, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the way that they set it up is really cool. I, it, it, the, I, seem to, I seem to end up reading books where characters and villains are going through similar things. And they they kind of mirror one another, mm. just on the opposite end of the spectrum. And in this book, you have Craven, who is feeling very alone and and very accomplished with all but one thing, which is the Spider Man. Mm. And he he feels death approaching; that it's it's going to be his time soon. But he wants it to be on his own terms. So he decides, you know, once and for all, to capture and kill Spider Man. And at the same time. Parker is just beaten to all hell emotionally, physically. He's tired. He's just married to uh, Mary Jane at this point. And he's trying, he's doing the the balancing act between being Spider-Man and being now a married man. And, but he's, he's disgusted. Like he's getting angry and he's tired and he's asking himself a lot of questions about his own survival and his own, his own death. So you have Craven where he is contemplating death. And then you have Peter Parker thinking about his own. So now you have hero and villain both going through this kind of introspective nightmare about their own positions in the world, whether it be in the villain world or the hero world. And, um, he's lost a, like Spider-Man's lost a lot of people. And there's this moment in the story where this guy, this regular schmo thug named Joe face, he he dies and he's nobody special he's somebody that you know spider-man in the past has webbed him up to a a a light in the street (laughs) and left him for the cops or busted him for petty larceny or whatever but he he's having like a private um 
like a private wake inside of a bar. All the barmates have paid for his coffin and his plot and stuff like that. And Spider-Man shows up to pay his respects and and leaves money out of his own pocket. Like he reaches into his costume and he pulls out his money from his own pocket and leaves it in the hat with the rest of the money that it's going to pay for everything. He's like, I want him to have a better spot. And it was just, it was really, really cool to see he, that even the the smallest you know, thug or just all the people that come into their lives that they bust, that they put away, whether they're the, their biggest foe or the smallest guy that Spider-Man is the way he is. And Peter Parker is the way he is that he remembered him and he still feels sorrow for never having put him on the right track Mm -hmm. and having busted him so many times and given him such a hard time for just trying to survive. Right. Yeah. So, you know, my, my, my reading was filled with a lot of cool character moments this week. Mm. So uh, there's also this like repetitious imagery of a guy digging a grave throughout pretty much the entire book. So you have like every page and a half, you'll see this dude digging, you know, six feet into the ground and just hucking, you know, mounds of dirt up. And, you know, through this this repetitious display that something bad is coming and it that particular plot plays plot literal like grave plot. Mm plays throughout all six issues that are collected for the story. So who's there and what's there is con- it at least changes three times within the story. And it's really intense to watch the progression of it throughout the, throughout the book. And like going back to the idea of Craven being really, really twisted, he takes in the story, he, he basically, he wants it to be his last hunt. So he goes after the Spider-Man and he, he shoots him and puts him in a grave and, and, kills him and puts him in the ground and dons his outfit and starts to say that he's he wants to he wants to know who Spider-Man the man was. He wants to get close to him. He wants to get as close to Spider-Man as possible. So he puts on his costume. He starts fighting crime around the place. Calls himself superior <laughs> to Spider-Man on a couple of occasions. Yeah. So there were people running around as Spider-Man calling themselves the superior Spider-Man since like the 80s. And uh, I mean, I know it's been pointed out, but it was cool to be reading something and being like, oh, shit, look at that. You know, Craven was doing it before. You know, he was cool. He was uh, Otto's the hipster all of a sudden because Craven was doing it before. It was cool. Maybe he gave Otto the idea. Right. So but like Craven's like getting all weird and he's he's like drinking herbs and roots and juices and and poisons. He's taking uh, poisonous spiders and crushing them with his hands and like eating them and drinking the juice out of them and tripping off of them and stuff and going into these hallucinogenic states in order to get closer to the spider. Mm. And he's being attacked in these fever dreams and stuff like that. And then he's going out and putting on the the mask and beating people up and doing all this crazy stuff. And while all this is going on, there's uh, another villain to the story called the Vermin, which is this kind of were mouse rat guy <laughs> thing that lives in the sewer really reminds me of Gollum. If I had to, uh-huh. to, you know, put him against any other character in literature, he definitely has that, the way that Gollum speaks mm-hmm. in the third person is always talking to himself and stuff like that. And the vermin himself is one of the, one of the villains that was able to defeat Spider-Man single-handed. So Craven sets it up so that Spider-Man needs to face him again and it's just, again, a really good mirror for both characters in this other villain 
this dirty, filthy thing that lives under the ground while Spider-Man was in the ground and just all these comparisons that you can make and have fun with when you're reading the story. So anyway, I really enjoyed the hell out of it. And if you haven't read it, it's it's definitely in the top 10 Spider-Man stories that I've ever read. And it, it feels important that if you love the character that you go out and you check it out. So uh, yeah, Craven's Last Hunt by uh, J.M. DiMatteis and Mike Zek. Cool. Bob, do you, what memory do you have of, of that? I was still reading Spider-Man then, and it was I, I was buying all three. Mm. It came out each week, one other one. Gotcha, right. So you just kept running through it. I remember more than anything else the, some of the amazing splash pages. Oh, yeah. Set up, <laughs> and, and the covers were just... Zek did The Punisher for a long time. He's a very visceral artist. Yeah. Just lots of emotion in faces. It's just There's like, dark and unremitting, mm. scary, scary stuff. Yeah, like stuff that you've seen on on T-shirts or posters or even like you go Google and you type in Spider-Man. Like one of the, f- at least four of the first things that will come up are from this story. Mm. So just the, especially the grave stuff. Mm. Like anytime that they talk about Spider-Man biting the dust, they mm. have images from this book. Right. And they're like, yeah. you know. Wow, Gravestone yeah. there, dark lightning coming down. The hand ripping out of yeah. the ground, gotcha. all the spiders digging at the dirt. Uh-huh. Like it's totally, it's really, it's a very visual book. It's raining a lot. It feels dirty. It feels wet. You're in the sewers. There's muck and bile and mm. crap everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and just you... You feel tired mm. when you're reading it, not in a bad way. Right. It's just you're you're in there. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So that's Craven's Last Hunt. You also talked about Four Eyes, uh, Volume One by Joe Kelly, and Cataclysm Ultimate Spider-Man Number Three. I did. All right. Awesome. All right, Bob. Hmm. First, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Little Vampy one yeah. shot. We'll, we'll go lighter. Yeah, we'll go lighter <laughs> first. Uh, <clears throat> you talked. You said very nice things about the Red Sonia, the Little mm-hmm. Sonia one. Uh, how does this stack up to that? It is very, very cute, which obvious. I mean, you're looking at Al Balthazar cover here. It's Eric Troutman wrote this, and it's Agnes Garboska oh, doing the, the interiors. interiors. Yes. Oh, nice. So yeah. it is just absolutely oh, yeah. stunning and yeah. cute and whatever. Yeah. And there's also a second strip along the bottom. There's a panther strip. <laughs> oh, nice. Running along the panther. bottom. Panther. <laughs> that actually ties back into the she, end of this. Is she clothed in this? She's a cat for a lot of it. Oh, nice. So it's even better. <laughs> What you have here, though, is actual Vampirella, as the Sonya was, too. Mm. She acts in the way Vampirella does. You see her supporting cast, but all his kids in this, mm. in their little town here of Stoker, Maine. And something really bad has happened. The sort of comic book version of the Necronomicon has gone missing from the library. Mm. And pages torn out. <laughs> from the library? Right. <laughs> and her mom is the librarian. And because this book is out, all of a sudden people get turned into demons and all the people she knows are now different and Vampirella does what she does. She goes home and figures some stuff out and beats up demons and does things in just charming, great, good humor in this just lovely book and you got tentacled Mm. creatures and she walks hand in hand with them out of town. (laughs) (laughs) And they go for a picnic. They go for a picnic but and you get games inside here. I haven't bought the other ones. There are, I think, four more of these. There's yeah. a little Battlestar Galactica yeah, and a yeah. little Ernie book. and mm-hmm. They're just really cute. And the only caveat I would have to these things, they're fun one-shots. You could give them to your kids. Mm-hmm. If for some reason they get attracted to these characters, you can't go with your eight-year-old and read no. Vampirella or Pantha. No. Or Red Sonia. Or Red Sonia. <laughs> or Evil Ernie. It's... <laughs> yeah. But... 
what, what it says to me, though, Dynamite did a really lovely job with these. The, the, the Al Balthasar covers form a little sort of mural for yourself. Mm. Maybe they should find a new character right. in this vein because they do such a great job with these. There's got to be something all these talented people could yeah. come with. I enjoyed the heck out of this. I, it took me a week or so to pick it back up again. I kept looking at it and put it back. Mm. No, I got to have this. Gotta Are you this a one. Vampirella fan? Not particularly. Okay, so I, I read some of the Warren books way, way back when they were in the black mm. and white horror magazines in, in the time. It's It was pretty hard to take seriously, mm. pretty quickly. Initially, she was just a host of the horror stories and then was from the planet Draculon that had rivers of blood. And <laughs> and then as the years went on and she started to wear less and less, and then Harris did them in the 90s and 2000s, in the middle of that whole period. If you're going to have a bad girl character, you mm. have the original one. Right. Was she like an Elvira? kind of character no because elvira had a sense of humor about mm. it and elvira despite her business hanging out <laughs> is completely covered cassandra right. peterson <laughs> spoiler alert cassandra peterson as a very young girl got very badly burned oh wow pulled a a, a pot of boiling water all over herself oh wow so she she's scarred in some places which is why you generally see her completely covered not oh. not Chud-like scarred, right. but I mean, she's got defects. Uh, but I, the thing with Elvira was it was always a joke, and she played with it. And Vampirella, not as much for Warren, but for Harris, was always posed provocatively. Hmm. And in an outfit that it works in comics, doesn't work in real life. Did anyone see the TV movie they did years ago with no. Roger Daltrey as the lead bad guy, no less? <laughs> oh, my goodness. No. Yeah, it was made for, I think it was... Maybe been for Channel Five, and then went on to uh, video back before they were Fox, even. Oh wow! And because they couldn't use here in this book, by the way, little Vampirella is not wearing. Right. No. The, though they do make fun of her. The kids in 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 town make fun. Of, oh, you always wear the same thing every day. <laughs> you know, and, and we get to that. But she's sort of covered up with little sort of galoshes on mm. instead of you know high heels or whatever. And for television, because the outfit that works on the page wouldn't work in real life, because mm. if she moved or, or took a breath, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just wouldn't work. So they tried to modify it, and she's basically wearing diapers. <laughs> it's just, check it out. I, there are clips on YouTube. It, it, it was horrendous. Diapers? It, it, yeah, she's basically wearing vinyl diapers. Mm -hmm. What? Trust me, everyone go look even... this up on YouTube, and you'll... I don't even know what that would look like. <laughs> well, it, look so it, up. it looks like Depends. Yeah. Oh. Huh. But red. Swimmies for your ass? You'll see. Right. Trust me. Let's go look it so up. So anyway, uh, I can't speak for the other ones, but Red Sonia, Little Sonia, and Little Vampy were both just loads and loads of fun, and give it a shot. Nice. Moving a little darker. Yes. A little Batgirl number, number 28 here. Uh, we Obviously, we finished up the Wanted arc. Mm -hmm. We did our Gothtopia spinoff. Now we're back into regular Batgirl continuity once again um, <laughs> another break. for how or how long we're going to be we don't we do not know um how do you feel about this this kind of return to the regular uh batgirl way of things there should be much more regular batgirl <laughs> stuff uh it's it's a real problem with this issue uh, it's just so great and you came off gothopia i enjoyed mm. but it's now jarring when you, you come to this, it, it's, uh, of course, Gail Simone, Fernando Passerine insides and blonde on colors. Very, very uh, wonderful job on that. But the, the Alex Garner cover of this, we went from light, you know, yeah. <laughs> daylit Gotham City to, I'm not spoiling this, but we, there's a, a very different Barbara on the cover. She's sort of yeah. dripping blood out of her fangs. <laughs> 
it's a lovely new setup. We have a new character who is Master Silver. Barbara has chasing around some bad guys, capture them with the help of Strix, who yeah. is an ex-Talon. Yeah. And Strix is looking for another mute young girl who's mm. been kidnapped. Right. So Barbara just leaves them all, you know, cabled, tied together for the police. And this Master Silver, who apparently thinks the bats are all vampires. Right, yeah. Which is pretty strange, though later in the confrontation, Barbara sort of says, you know, I kind of get where he thinks this. We're only out at night and capes and all the rest of it. When she and Strix leave, Master Silver comes over and looks and they're vampires. They've been turned. Now, what's happening here in Gotham, we're going to find out as these issues go. Barbara wants to help Strix find this young girl. Has to go then to her... Worst enemy, in essence, Nightfall, mm-hmm. who we had just seen in Gotopia as Daybreak, which yeah. was so cute, Sharice Carnes. So it was nice to see her back in her regular sort of, well, you owe me one mm-hmm. mode. That sto- I'm not going to say too much more. The stories all begin to tie together with a really neat cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Barbara and Strix share this wonderful moment where they're trying to go undercover. Yeah. <laughs> and Strix, who has, because she's been raised by the Court of Owls, has no childhood, no anything. She's picking on clothes. She picks out a pink prom dress. It's like, oh, you you can have it. Just just take it. Just lovely. It's the human moments that Mm. that make this work. At one point, Barbara's getting texts from Ricky, and Mm. she says, I'm the worst quasi-girlfriend ever. Mm. It's just charming little real-life things that are always here, and that's the shame of this book being interrupted so much. Those things go to the back Mm. because the storytelling of the larger event take precedence. You have some Batgirl stuff and then some Gothopia stuff, or you have some. Uh, what we, do we have Forever Evil in this one? No, we had no, Villains Month. No, zero year. We had Villains Month. We had zero, zero year. year. Yeah, yeah. It's like we need. We need. To, I'd love to have six consecutive issues of Batgirl without right. being interrupted. Um, let me ask you this. Sure. How are you? How was your introduction to the villain? How do you find him? I found him right on page two. <laughs> Sorry, that was, that was just too much of a setup. These are the jokes. People. These are the jokes, yeah. Be nice to your waitress to try the veal. Gail does these things very, very well. You get just enough to be teased. What he's doing and why will become apparent as we move on. And it won't be too long. I, I tell you by the middle of next issue, you'll start to get an inkling of how he got this idea, who he is. Is he connected to someone else, which is all possible? I'm I'm liking him. He he's, remind, he's got a good look. He reminded me of Van Helsing mixed with Chris Angel meets Phantom of the Opera. So I like that. Yeah, right? I think that yeah, that explains yeah. things very well. Throw some blade in maybe. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, has has an assistant, which is always good. Yeah, I thought it was a cool issue. I liked it a lot. I like the new villain. I like the idea of it. Mm-hmm. I, um, it's fun to play with the psychosis and the you don't know what's real, you know, aspect yeah. of it. I thought I thought it was really good. Um. I like um, his art. I can't ever say his Fernando name. Passerine. Passerine's art. Uh, there's sometimes, sometimes with his faces, I don't. Uh, there's something with the faces sometimes that just doesn't jive with me. They're like they're sometimes they're very long uh, to mm-hmm. me. Well, this is yeah, yeah sort of yeah, and so that that's up that's what bothers me a little bit as far as the style goes. But you know, I thought it was really good. And the strict stuff was my my favorite parts. Yeah, yeah he, definitely. He yeah. very much does the smaller moments. Very, very well. Yeah. When things need to be still, they are. But his action sequences are always very nicely laid yeah. out, very cinematic, lots of motion within them, yeah. interesting panel layouts. I've seen people getting giving him some grief yeah. lately, and I'm not sure why. Mm. A lot of people want Garner to do the insights. Right. I can't, 
these painted covers, you could not do the insides yeah. unless you want to do a, mi- a Batgirl miniseries yeah. or something might be nice, but... Yeah. Would you want that all the time throughout the whole book? Because you don't know what kind of interior artist Gardner would be. He right. it could be very posy. It could yeah. be very static. No. Yeah, some of these paint... Alex Ross does a, a magnificent job of covers and insides. He doesn't do much interior work. None of all these people No, because that. that's not what he does. It's, it's, a, it's a, a different... Yeah, yeah, it's a different regimen entirely. Absolutely. So... Uh, Back a little much to the oh background number twenty eight yeah don't want people to yep. confuse what we're talking about back to the lighter side a little bit and we'll we'll finally get Stephanie back in the conversation here because she hasn't talked about this book enough uh, this week but um, <laughs> She Hulk number one uh, yes Charles Soule and art by Javier Polito um, but we know how much you love She Hulk uh, mm-hmm. you know um, you you republished your your kind of retelling and re- retrospective about her origin and her history. Um, so this is a character that obviously is very near and dear to your heart. Um, what did you think? How did this How did this first issue stack up against some of those previous runs for you? I absolutely love this issue. To me, there are a lot of ways you could have gone with this, and he certainly ignored the whole savage She-Hulk thing, except that it, it does inform her origin. But in, in not trying to be either John Byrne or Dan Slott or Peter David, but finding an in-between... I think in tone, it's more the Dan Slott run than anything else, mm-hmm. but it really focuses on not Jennifer's career, but She-Hulk's career as a lawyer. We, As Charles Soule is an attorney in real life, we go down that road, and you get to see her interact with real people. It's It begins with her quitting getting fired over not getting enough superhero clients back into her new law firm, which is, uh, where are they? Oh, it's Payne and Luckberg. Mm-hmm where she formerly worked for Goodman, Lieber, Kurtzman, uh, Kurtzberg, and Book. For those, for that, that in-joke, Martin Goodman, Stanley Lieber, Stanley, uh, and Jacob Kurtzberg is Jack Kirby. Oh, wow. And they their offices run the Timely Building, hmm. just for fun. <laughs> so now she's working for someone else who don't, they don't appreciate her the way her old firm did. So what we end up with is she has tons and tons of billing hours coming right out, even after backing up the FF. Because it's a direct sequel to the FF story. Yeah, which she just got done with her right. her tenure. Her little adventure, a little four minutes that turned into her, her a full year, right. <laughs> and because she doesn't deliver the high-profile client, she walks out. She goes to a bar, she's having a drink, she's measuring, you know, she wants two fingers of bourbon or whatever she is. When she's accosted, shall we say, by Holly Harrow, who's the widow of a mad scientist from the old days of Marvel named Jonas Harrow, who used to create supervillains. He creates the hammerhead who fought Spider-Man and the kangaroo and the -the will-o'-the-wisp and all these sort of (laughs) lame-o, (laughs) third-tier characters. And he, Well, he modified a shot-up gangster and put a steel plate in his head and did all sorts of crazy things to him. And Holly is looking to sue over his patent rights, which might have been stolen by Tony Stark. It's a cute little moment, and Jen is saying to her, well, you know, lawyering is mostly 90% conversations, mm-hmm. which doesn't exactly play itself out. She'll modify that statement as we go on. She decides, well, I know Tony. I'll just go over there and, and chat with him. We get this wonderful scene of robotic, holographic assistance 
a the up on the 18th floor is a guy who tries to bury her in legal jargon. It is hysterical. It's just a page of smaller and smaller type as we as That was we, a hefty read. That's a hefty read that page, but it really settles in the idea that wow, no, she isn't just someone who punches people. This is a really smart woman mm-hmm. who's going to get something done the right way. They pick up some uh, well we we see Holly's kids who are kind of bratty, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, that she goes to their storage locker, finds a, some robot stuff and a tape that starts to give all the stories. She goes back to Tony, and on her second one around, all she wants to do is talk to him and gets the legal robots, uh, vacate the premises immediately or you will be vacated. Oh, I'm not here in my legal capacity. Right now, it's She-Hulk all the way. <laughs> Shows up a couple of panels later, sort of all tattered and torn, and Tony is, oh, you're... You're pretty magnificent. Mm. He's like, I oh, don't start there with me. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to write this. Mm. I'm not spoiling. I, I'll stop now. <laughs> uh, look, this is just a very, very funny story in the same way that Dan Slots were, but a little more serious. He, I don't know if uh, Charles Souls found the comedy voice for this exactly yet. It is funny, but not ha ha. Mm-hmm. You know, Slots got Slots was a little crazy, as you can mm-hmm. imagine. She's very heroic. She's doing the right thing for the right reason for someone who needs her help, which leads to, as the, the book ends, into the next phase of her life, which I think will be an awful lot of fun. The art by Javier Polito, to me, it's very Oredian, if mm-hmm. there's such a word. Mm-hmm. Um, the Colors Here by Munster Vincente. <laughs> a lot of Italian, a lot of Italian today. And, and the lettering, too, by Clayton Coles. I really need to mention that really is a lot of fun stuff done, but the art, neat panel layouts, not all on a regular grid, lots of oddball things, lots of personality, I thought. I, it's not going to be for everyone. His art is very cartoony, but I think it fits very well here. I, a straight superhero art might not have played this off I don't want to say this is Hawkeye, but I think that's sort of the vibe we're heading at. And that's another book like that on the stands, fine by me. I want more than anything, um, I said this on Twitter, I want a Matt Murdock and Jennifer Walters courtroom crossover. Uh, Good work. (laughs) Mini event, three issues, one verdict. Um, so Steve, what did what did you think of the book? I really enjoyed it. I was uh, I was kind of surprised though at how lawyery it was. It was a lot of reading. And yeah. it was a lot of, like, I knew, my hope, actually, was coming from Charles Soule and that he does have a background in law, that it would have that. I think I was just surprised by how much of it there was. It felt like that was the majority of the book was, you know, but that's, you know, you're establishing character. Mm. It's her breakout issue. You want to cement the the fact that she does both, that she is a superhero, but she also has, you know, her other life where mm. she defends people in the courtroom as well as on the streets. Mm-hmm. So in that, it did its job very, very well. Uh, a good tagline for a television show. Yes. She defends people in the courtroom as well as on the streets. She-Hulk. She-Hulk. We're in the next Netflix run when yeah, they do a yeah, She-Hulk exactly. series, that'll be it. Yeah. Thursday nights at nine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I'm hoping that other people will enjoy it. I mean, Marvel's kind of doing this thing now where they've got uh, Black Widow... They have She-Hulk. They have Miss Marvel now, where they're they have these lady-centric books that have these women in them that are they're forced to be reckoned with, 
and I like I like that trend a lot. So the idea that this falls right in with the others and that it, it is taking these characters seriously and giving them a really good platform to jump off of with powerful writers behind them and, and cool artists and stuff. Mm. Uh yeah, I mean for me for me it was awesome. I I hope that people give it a chance and don't take the more lawyery stuff too hard and 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 overlook some of the other smaller things that are in the book that are really going to end up pulling it together in the end. Mm-hmm. So uh, and the setup at the end is just glorious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephanie, uh, you obviously talked about it on your show The Misfits and people to check that out because you guys had a very in depth discussion about She Hulk. But um, <laughs> for those of our listeners who didn't listen, um, what did you think of She Hulk number one? Um, I liked the writing a lot. Like, uh, I, I I read a couple reviews before it came out, which is something I don't typically do. Um, and you know, it got great reviews and rightfully so, uh, I loved the writing. Um, Melissa pointed out that it was very dialogue heavy, um, like more so than normal mm-hmm. in a, a comic book. But for me, it was good, but I found the art distracting. Like it didn't seem all red esque to me. It just seemed like a ripoff of all red mm. art. Um, I loved the colors. I thought the color was perfect. Um, and that pop art style is fun, but there was just something weird about the faces to me. Like the eyes, it was like, where are they looking? Is it looking that way? Is she looking that way? What's up with that? And Tony Stark just like, I don't know. He looked like a Spanish robot. <laughs> <laughs> There's the tagline for today's yeah, yeah, show. Yeah. yeah. Like, he was just, like, he always looked like he had this, ha-ha, like, <laughs> Yeah. yeah it, well, there's one close-up. He's saying, God, you're magnificent, looking at Jennifer with, uh, like, or I don't want to say it's lust. He does but look like he's about to, you know, do the salsa or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It Hello, was like, it was like <laughs> this is Antonio Banderas, Tony Stark. I have to agree. It's pretty <laughs> damn funny. Like I, I don't know. I didn't like the art style. Um, I, I wanted to like the art style. Like I really love Mike Allred's art, but this just missed everything for me. Like it, the characters. I mean, you can still see what's going on, but at the same time, emotion and what's going on isn't really conveyed very well through the characters' facial expressions, and um, I just felt disconnected from the story a little bit just because of that. Like it, mm. it just kind of pushed me away. Um, it wasn't bad. I, I, I really do love that Marvel tries new styles of art with their stories, but this did not work for me. Like it was overly simplistic and I, I just, I don't know. I, I, at times, I felt like the art and what was happening on the page took away from the really good writing job that Charles Soule did. Hmm. So, uh, are you think you're going to pick up another issue, or is the art enough to keep you away? Um, I think I'll ch- check out another issue, because I think his writing does really compensate for what is lackluster art, in my opinion. But, uh, I, I, and I, I do want to keep supporting this book, because it is good, but I don't know. We'll see if the art improves or not. You know how like sometimes that first issue can be that really good one. And then if it gets 
somehow worse for me than mm. I might disappear from it. But gotcha. eh. it might end up we'll growing see. on you. You never know. <clears throat> it mm. might if I can figure out which way their eyes are looking. <laughs> um, so for me, I I think. I came in somewhere in the middle um, of you guys. I I think, Bob, what you said before was actually kind of crystallized my opinion on the book, which is finding its voice. I feel like the, the I think this issue is good. It's absolutely good. It's well-written. It, it has a nice sense of humor. And I actually, I, I don't love the art, but I, I like Javier Polito's art. And I think it's a cool, it's a cool direction for the book to go. But I feel like the the book is is just a little less than for me. Um, because of the fact that I don't feel like it's hit that stride. You know, when you talk about Hawkeye, and I feel like the first issue of Hawkeye, I, I, I was completely hooked. Like, I knew what it was. Mm-hmm. I loved the tone. I, I knew this character was. And with She-Hulk number one, I, I felt like, not that I don't know who the character was, but I felt like the book was straddling some line between, um, you know, uh, this humor that it was trying to hit that I, I di- it didn't really connect for me. And it's other kind of adventurous and, and action elements. And I felt like it didn't find th- that nice middle ground. Um, so, and I do agree. I think that the book, I think that there are times, I think that scene where she's talking to the lawyer, th- that scene's funny to me with all, with all the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Very funny. I do think the book is a little bit heavy uh, uh, on the dialogue because, because of the, also because I like the art. I would like to see more of the way the art's playing out. Um, and, and, I, and that that fell short for me a little bit, just because I, I I wanted a little bit less of it. I I, I do love the, the the messages of the book. I I think the idea I love the beginning thing where you know no one is just one thing. I think is a really great message uh, for any sort of uh, sort of literature to have in it, and and has that really really well. And I like that it gives us a different um, a different look into this into the larger Marvel universe. A lot of these books that I we've been talking about, we talked about this a lot last week. That they're feel almost completely separate, right, from the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. This is very much, very much entrenched in it, but it gives you a different view. Like you don't really see Tony Stark working in any in, in any of the no, other books. True. He's always just Iron Manning it up, you know, <laughs> or partying or whatever. <clears throat> and here, he's working. He's just doing his thing, and I, I think that's cool. You get to see, you know, how often do we see the lobby of of the Stark Tower? Yeah. N- never, you know. We're always just in the offices. You know, Cap has a, you know, a and all day pass to get up there yeah. whenever he wants, and I so I think it, it was it was a cool thing to see. So I like that stuff about it. I, I want to check out another issue. I want to see if it starts to bring its it bring its voice together because I really love the character. I, I think she's a great great character. So I hope that it that it that it continues kind of to improve mm-hmm. for me and find that voice. Well, I think what he had to do, not that I can speak to anyone's motivation, is she's had so many writers and mm-hmm. so many different sorts of history over over these twenty odd years that where do you go? Where do you draw the line to create that voice? And that's what I think he's even struggling with himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, for the people who want to read the John Byrne, loopy, break the fourth wall stuff, mm. everyone's going to... If that's the definitive run, and it is for most of us who are fans, you can't go back to that without mm. it coming off as a bad imitation. Right. Dan Slott found a way to do some of that, be heavy into Marvel continuity, just as you're saying, this, you look at a different side of it, but found his own way. And now Charles Soule is going to have to do the same sort of juggling act, but now Dan Slotz is in the mix too. Mm-hmm. So where do you find that? Peter David's, amazingly, was almost deadly serious, mm-hmm. which is hard to imagine someone as funny as Peter is. Right. But in his 
own notes when he took over right after Dan Slott was, I can't do what Dan just did mm-hmm. without coming off as a poor second copy. So I have to do what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're into seven or eight different variations of this character, including the one who ripped the vision in half. Right. For no particularly <laughs> good reason. So now where do you... Who's, everyone who's come to this has now come to it as a reader with one of those other iterations in their head. Mm-hmm. I'm going right. to triangulate here. Mm-hmm. Tough job. Hopefully, as you know, I think we're all saying to a certain extent, good beginning. Mm-hmm. Let's see what's moving right. forward. Let, yeah. Let's keep this up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so that's She-Hulk number one. Obviously, I'll talk about Batgirl number 28 and Lil Vampy. Lil Vampy. Number one. It's a one shot from Dynamite. All right, cool. Um, so on to, to me. Uh, first of all, I read uh, The Bunker, number one, by Joshua Hale Fialkov. Ooh, what's up with that? Um, it was a uh, digital-only series that he was printing for a while. I think there was like five issues of that out, and they finally collected it into a, a, a full trade, a full uh, single issue for at, for Oni Press. Uh, the art's by Joe in Infernari. Um, and it's a very complicated story. Um, it's extremely complicated. So it's, it's a group of friends who... They're going out into the woods to bury a time capsule, basically. And they're kind of, I think they're in their mid to late 20s or whatever. They're they're leaving a place, uh, you know, for the last time. I don't know if it's college. They don't, we haven't really got into that yet. And they start to dig. And as soon as they hit the shovel and they hit something hard, like like in metal. So they start digging around it and they find this bunker that's that's buried in the ground very much like lost and they and they make a reference to that like the reference was when the <laughs> character says i don't think there's a handsome scottish man waiting for us inside that's this funny. thing ah, so, yeah so there's that um and but the weird thing is all their names are engraved on the on the on the top of the bunker Ooh. <clears throat> and none of them know why and and they they start blaming one of the people who apparently you get the idea that he's kind of like a joker or something like that and, and you know, he's like, this is not me. And they go inside the bunker, and there's all of this information and, and, and these news clippings. But the most important thing is there are, there's a letter addressed to all of them, except for one. Um, and it's a letter from their future selves. Ooh, nice. Basically telling them that the world's going to basically find apocalypse, and it's going to be your fault. And you're going to try to stop it, but you can't. So, uh, um, and, and that's what it goes. And it does it kind of... It kind of lays out all these horrible things that they're all going to do, and basically tells them there's no way you can stop it. Um, and so immediately, the, obviously, the group starts to break down, uh-huh. you know, and not and kind of bonds get loosed and secrets that weren't weren't out become out because these letters are selling these secrets that you know are in the future. It's not such a big deal, but then it's a very big deal. Relationships break up. Um, how old are they in this? They're in like I think they're in their mid twenties. That's that's, okay. that's the that's what I get from looking at their. They might be younger than that. I was getting like a Stand by Me it's, age kind it's of. It's older feel. than Stand by Me. It's because okay. they make a they make a joke in the beginning of the book about adult people bearing a time capsule. Um, and you know what, what the book starts to do is it starts to show you what's going to happen in in the future time when they're kind of reading the letters. It shows you the visuals of what's happening in in the letters, and. That's where the book gets a little bit dicey because it gets tough to follow sometimes. How long is the book? Is it a regular issue? <clears throat> no, it's a collection of a, uh, about five mini issues. So it's a long issue. It's like 45 pages. Oh. It's a long first issue. Um, it's ve- it's extremely interesting. You know, it, it's it, it's levels upon levels of storytelling and it's very, very deep. Like I said, there are times where it gets a little bit confusing and you kind of have to go back. And even when you go back, uh, it's tough sometimes to meter out w- w- what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um 
but it's it's I don't know it, it really left some like an impression on me after reading it because it feels like something that if it's done correctly and finished off well um it could be something pretty special uh the one issue I do think he has and I don't know if this is going to continue as it goes along and it and it might have even carved itself by the end of the issue as as, as it went but the, when like they, they're talking kind of their regular kind of we know each other talk it's a little bit it's so heavy on the kind of like you're a fucking idiot kind of stuff yeah that it almost borders on uh funny you know but not intentionally right. you know they're saying yeah. they're they're insulting each other so much and it's supposed to be like that kind of friendly like we know each other so well that we say whatever we want to each other kind of thing yeah dickhead exactly <laughs> and it works to a point but at a certain point when you do it too much it, it just starts to kind of overload you I think with, with with that language, and it just it takes away from the story. Um, it leaves off on a really cool cliffhanger that has something else to it, and there's it's obvious that there's it, you don't know what these characters are going to do, right? Because one of the letters says basically you have to make you have to make sure this happens because if these if these you know two billion people don't die, the whole world's going to end. Basically, is it a mini? I, I have no idea. He's he wrote it as a like a digital only series, uh-huh. and it's gonna. I mean, it's gonna be ongoing, I guess. But I think it's all up to him what he wants to do. Sick. But it, it was it was really cool, and I like the art uh, a lot. Um, it's very. It can be very simple at times. It's very scratchy. It's, it has a very scratchy look to it. It's best like best as I can put it. <laughs> but it, it was it was really cool, and um, I'm glad I picked it up, and I'm glad I read it. Um, I read it digitally because I because our shop didn't get any uh, copies in. Ah, oh, that answers my next question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Word. I read it on uh, on Comixology, but it was it was really cool. Speaking of Comixology, I'll have my tablet and Comixology back as of this evening. Nice, yes. awesome. Back in the game. Floodgates are open. Yeah. Um. And, uh, my next book is uh, the Winter Soldier, the Bitter March, number one. Ooh, yeah. Rick Remender and art by uh, Roland Bashi with the, the colors. <laughs> Which are also fantastic. His name is Chris Chukri. This is the guy that I had to pronounce last oh, week. Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, so this story takes place, um, I guess it's post-World War II. It's like 60s, right? 66, I'm 66. thinking. Um, and it follows uh, original Nick Fury. Uh, yeah. And he is, basically, th- there's a, Hydra has captured a scientist that could potentially end the world. So he needs to go get him and get him out of this castle. Um, it's really a very freewheeling kind of spy adventure w- with those characters, a- and the Winter Soldier not introduced in this issue until until very very late, mm-hmm. um, and as a bad guy because it's obviously the '60s, so he has not he has not um, gotten his memories back. He is still the Winter Soldier. Um, I really really loved it. It, it was just it was so much fun, and I loved Nick Fury kind of being this um, kind of you know sc- scoundrelly spy and. And his back and forth with his his fellow agent, I thought was all really great. I loved the James Bond feel about it. I loved that it you know even though it was set in the sixties, it wasn't it didn't feel safe. It felt very out there, and there's colorful language <laughs> involved. And um, I, I loved the uh, the stuff with the the Hydra agents. I loved his description of Hydra at the beginning. Um, I, I just, I, I was laughing. I, I was excited by it. And at the end, when they introduced the Winter Soldier, I was genuinely afraid of him by the way that they described him. And it's cool that they're, and, and it's a good idea for them to do it because he's obviously going to be a bad guy in the movie. So I'm sure they want to give, a, have a book on the stands where he is a bad guy. Um, but I, I loved it. I think that Rick Remender nailed it, uh, with this book, Bob. I know that obviously you dropped off Remender's cap 
Um, you picked up this book. What did you think of this? I absolutely love this. Yeah. This is classic Steranko era mm. Nick Fury, which was coming out in the midst of those you know, the Connery Bond movies. Right. We have a cl- classic villain bunker. We had a giant, <laughs> a giant set with a vault for holding mm-hmm. gold. Beautiful women, cocktail parties. How do you do the Hydra salute and hold your drink at the same time? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just hysterically funny. Nick Fury in the the, the real Nick Fury, yeah. you know, the, the original. The original Nick Fury. Is one of those, he, he was a regular soldier thrust into the CIA, head of S.H.I.E.L.D., but always had an edge to him that was a little different. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a suave spy. He was kind of, a, as you say, a rogue scoundrelly. Mm-hmm. I'll do what needs to get done to get here. But he still enjoys what he's doing. He's yeah. making bets as to how we get in here and how we get back out. And the setup for where we're going to go, I don't want to spoil mm-hmm. that, is brilliant. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely brilliant because you, you, I was t- taken completely by surprise. I have read nothing about this. All mm-hmm. I knew was the cover, but right. I knew I had to have this. Yeah, the cover's great. <laughs> and I have dropped Cap because mm-hmm. he's channeling an era of Captain America I can't stand. He's right. writing more I don't like. Mm-hmm. This, having read his other stuff from before, mm-hmm. The Secret Avengers, yeah. whatever, this is his world. Mm-hmm. This is his milieu. And this was just great. I can't wait to read the next one. Steve, what do you think? Oh, I dug the hell out mm-hmm. of it. I really did. I read it last night and just thought it was so much fun. I really loved uh, Agent Ran. Yeah, yeah, that's his name, Agent yeah. Ran. Yeah. He was great. Yeah, he was he awesome. Was, it was great. Yeah. Like, I, I was, I almost forgot that Winter Soldier was it was even his book. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's like, <laughs> is this like our dude? Is this this is the guy? I'm like, this is a pretty cool guy. And then Winter Soldier comes in. I'm like, ah, oh, right. I was almost. In a way, I was kind of disappointed because I wanted more of Agent Ran and what he was doing. But I'm I'm excited to see where they take the the character, especially going the villain angle um, with him coming into the Captain America movie. I think it's a really good move and a really good setup uh, yeah. by Marvel. And yeah, once he like came onto the scene, he was really threatening. Mm-hmm. He was vicious. Yeah. And I, I just, I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. it. It had, it had the the James Bondy stuff to it, and lots of humor, lots of fun. Uh, great, great colors. Yeah, really great colors. And um, I don't, I, I don't know if it's because of the era, like the '60s era, but it's got that that vibe mm-hmm. to yeah. it. It feels, yeah. you know, like it feels, yeah. it feels cool. Yeah, it does feel very cool. <laughs> yeah, it feels very cool. I love this line about. Um, how Hydra will always be a great place for anonymous psychopaths to get a cool green suit and die abroad <laughs> while accomplishing absolutely nothing. <laughs> Which I thought was a great, great That's line. the absolute truth. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, did, did you get check this out? I did, actually. And what did you These think? These are the joys of us having like advanced emails where we know what we're <laughs> going to read. Um, but yeah, no, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I actually went and picked this up in physical form, Bobby. Wowzers. I know, for reals, guys. What's up with that? Um, but yeah, so I sat down and read it, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, I don't really have a ton of Winter Soldier experience. I think I read the first issue of the Winter Soldier, um, like, when it was coming out. The Brubaker last stuff? Year? Yeah, two years ago, was I guess last now. Year? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I think I read the first issue of that, and I always meant to come back to it, and I never got around to it because, you know... We never have enough time in the day for everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this was really interesting. Like it was, uh, was it Steve that was saying it was very kind of James Bondy? We all kind we of. Both, we all yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, okay. Yes. I, I, I heard specifically that. So anyways, mm. um, but yeah, like I thought it was 
a really fun spy thriller. And then you're right. Like it just, you kind of totally forget that it's about the winter soldier. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, right. Mm. That. Yeah. Um, which I don't know if it's a, it's a good thing mm. for a book called the winter soldier, <laughs> but you know, I did enjoy it for what it was. Maybe not as a winter soldier story, mm. but it was fun. Mm. Um, I, I totally forgot. I didn't even think of the fact that he was going to be a bad guy. I didn't even think of it until he showed up. I was like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. It's like 1966. Yeah. Not a good guy. <laughs> uh, Just thought out. Yeah. I mean, it obviously feels a lot like a lead in to the Winter Soldier being the main character. But yeah. at the same time, I thought it would be kind of fun to keep doing like these sort of spy stories mm-hmm. um, from the perspective of, you know, the spies and then have the winter soldier story play out through their eyes but i don't know i mean i i suspect that's not what's going to happen i think it is uh, actually what's going to happen really yeah because i mean it's a a mini i think it's four issues i think yeah and i think that's i think it's going to be told chiefly through nick fury's perspective like okay yeah well that could remain interesting again Mm -hmm. i don't know if it would necessarily be um after all said and done a good winter soldier story per se Mm mm-hmm uh, but a good story though. Definitely. definitely. Overall, it, it just, yeah. if you know what I mean, like, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I, I finished reading. I had like a giant smile on my face when I finished reading it. Well, villain books are hard yeah. to do, to mm-hmm. pull off. So this is a, this is a really cool perspective mm-hmm. and a place to be. And I mean, I totally hear what Steph's saying mm-hmm. and, I, and I agree, but I also on the other end of the spectrum appreciate having these support characters be you know our guide into this character and to kind of be the background for this story mm-hmm. that it's it's his name's on the on well, the cover but it involves a, a lot more than just him right yeah it's definitely interesting like it's an interesting way to do a villain story because as we've talked about before there are fewer things i hate more than justifiable villains yeah. like <laughs> you know just i don't want to hear your goddamn origin story about why you're a bad guy don't care just don't. <laughs> so, so I don't know. This could be an interesting way to give, like, to familiarize with us with the Winter Soldier before the movie, um, mm. without having that whole "oh, but the poor baby." <laughs> um, yeah. Now, but, let me just ask: Would yeah. this drive any of you to want to read Nick Fury? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, when totally. you just, when you just said that it's like the version that came out during the Bond time, and then you want to read it because okay. I loved yeah. the way that this felt. You know, I, I love that cool that cool nature of it. Oh. Yeah, I could hear the music. Jim Steranko as an artist was groundbreaking then. He didn't really do a whole lot of work. Mm. But what he did was brilliant and amazing and if not as paintery, J. H. Williams is channeling Steranko. Gotcha. Steranko Shield series, mm. it's these odd panels and weird mm. things going on. He started doing um Kirby did the layouts. Steranko drew over them mm. for a couple of issues, and then they just, look, you do this book. Because it was a mm. book no one even wanted. Right. And Steranko just hit it out of the park. He was, he was certainly channeling Bond and mm. Matt Helm and everything else he could get his hands on. It was always brilliant to look at. It was charming, quirky, action-filled, sexy, you name it. It, it had something for every men, women, the whole ball of wax. Just a great, great book. And they've been collected now, I think just about a year ago, all of them in a trade. Yeah. I definitely want to check it out because, yeah. yeah, I love I love this. 
Um, so and finally, uh, my final book of the week, uh, Justice League of America, number 12. Careful now. I'm four books away from that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to give away what happens. But right. uh, we, I've been talking about these Forever Evil uh, Justice League books for a while now, the last couple of weeks especially, the last couple of months, but uh, and how good they are. And this, to me so far, has been the pinnacle uh, of of the Justice League, of, of anything called Justice League anything since the start of the New 52. Mm-hmm. This book is the pinnacle uh, for me. It's exactly r- what Rob said. Right now. Yeah. Um, Stargirl is absolutely, to me, the breakout character uh, of the, the, this year i mean used to, I know, used to love her yeah i know she's been around for a, a while but mm-hmm. here you know and i haven't read any of that stuff um here she's been it's just been amazing these last four months i guess it's been it's been a, a phenomenal phenomenal read um her story and her her origin and why she does what she does and her team up kind of with the martian manhunter through these last about four issues i guess ha- has really been just something to behold and uh matt kent has done a fantastic job taking over the book uh from jeff johns and, and picking up where he left off he's been writing all the forever evil uh tie-in justice mm-hmm. leagues of america and he's really nailed it i mean this book is is clipping along at, at, at a great pace right now uh eddie barrows does a really really great job with the art and the book is really really emotional it's a really emotional story and, you know, we, we learn, finally learned the, the, the full nature of Stargirl's origin and the kind of tragedy that lives in her past um, uh, as we've been replaying it because her, she's been kind of been forced to replay it in her head because she shared a mental link with John and it still kind of exists. And it's been and she's not she's not used to having a telekinetic power. So her, her brain is just kind of working overdrive mm-hmm. and, and she can't get away from it. And she's been forced to face it uh, again. Um, but and I'm going to pull a page from Bob's book here and read a little bit out of the <laughs> book. Um, now, John and Stargirl have a mental link. And so he's talking about what he feels. Um, he can feel what she's feeling. And he said, I feel every ounce of Courtney's pain when she sees her family home. All that's left of her life in ruins. I feel her pain, her regret, the anger she feels towards herself. This is the moment anyone else would collapse, give up, surrender. And I feel every ounce of her doing the exact opposite. That's lovely. Yeah. Um, really amazing stuff. And just seeing her, because what I love about the way they're doing the character is that she has this pain and she has this thing, and she, but she chooses to be positive and, and, and happy and... All of these things, and it's really when we're we're filled with characters who, and the you know the model of the modern comic book character is to have this pain and be very dour about it, right? The, the, she does not have that. She she is you know, hopeful and, and idealistic, and she wants everything to be great. And but but she uses the pain because she knows what she went through, and she doesn't want anyone else to feel it ever. And that's yeah. kind of the, her her whole thesis. Well, that's what Martian Manhunter says at one point yeah he goes you know the one thing that you didn't count on was mm. this girl yeah yeah and it's 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 just wonderful i mean it's it's a wonderful little issue i was you know i was really choked up by by the end of the issue nice um great 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 stuff and i, I can't wait to see um where it goes i can't wait here. to get to that I, <laughs> I i was trying to read today to get to that point i have mm-hmm. maybe four issues left mm-hmm. uh till i hit that book i'm really looking forward to it and, it, and one of the things in the book, too, is Marsh Manhunter tells this really um, in-depth story about, you know, living on Mars and this legend they have of this of this character, of, the, of this, this hero, 
who went out to fight this, you know, this giant monster that was terrorizing that n- nobody could beat. And <clears throat> when he when he wanted to fight him, the monster gored him to a rock immediately. Um, but he realized that he could get he could push himself off, but he realized that the monster was also stuck. And so he, he the, the the hero chooses to stay and let himself die because huh. it saves everyone. Wow. And it's and, he, and that story is very much parallel here. I mean, that's not a spoiler, don't worry. There's not a big tad or anything, but <laughs> I don't want anybody to think that I'm spoiling that, but the way that they put that and the way that, that kind of the core of a hero, that sacrificing thing, I think is a really really great thing and and it, and it permeates that whole book and it's it was really really amazing. I texted Rob right after I finished it. I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> KLA number eight, number 12. Amazing. Um, so yeah. So that's going to do it for our book of the week. And that's going to do it for our, our show. After I read the releases here, I do want to mention real quick. We, I've totally forgot to talk about this. Um, they did announce this week, uh, read pop announced that they're doing a second New York, uh, comic show. Yeah. I heard about that <clears throat> in June. Um, it's two, two days. I think the 14th and the 15th of the days, so Saturday and a Sunday. And they claim it's going to be completely comic focused. That's all it's going to be. It's just going to be comics, and it's going to be a lot, a lot of indie stuff that's going to be there. They're going to have panel rooms. Um, it's going to take place in the Artist Alley area, huh. the entire thing, with a couple of panel rooms. Hmm. Um, so once we hear more information and we start hearing more about um, guests and stuff like that, we'll obviously talk about it more. Um, and we're obviously going to – if I, I, they, there's not even up on their site yet, like any kind of information – but we obviously, if we can, we will get press passes and we will try to be there for, for those days. Um, but I just wanted to let people know. And so if you're, if you're a New York comic fan and you haven't heard about it, I would definitely check it out and, um, you know, uh, see if it's something you're interested in. Because, you know, Comic-Con is huge, obviously, and there was so many people there this year. So many people. And this should be a smaller event, cause especially because it's not, not going to carry the kind of Comic-Con brand right. on it. Um, and it's going to be so focused on... Uh, comics that it should be a, a little bit of a less. But uh, they said they're trying to keep it about down to about fifteen thousand a day. Yeah, which is a lot less yeah. than, than than NYCC. So hopefully it, it will have some of that focus on comics that I know, Stephanie, you've talked about other conventions that are are, are so comic focused. <laughs> while a lot of the other the the really big ones tend to be kind of lose that focus. I hope that this is kind of New York's answer to, to those. Well, Read Pop, I mean, does C two E two, which like among creators is considered one of the best shows in the country gotcha so i mean they do have the potential Mm. but in my opinion like a large part of why comic con in new york isn't great is the javits center so Mm. (laughs) 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 sound Uh, well well, let's hope that the the content of the convention um is something that is is awesome and hopefully Hopefully it allows a lot more contact with creators and stuff for people who are coming there. As long as like really disgusting bathrooms don't ruin your day and stuff. Well, okay. Ooh. Well, I'm not, I'll just, ugh, Javits Center. Very... But I'm hoping for the best. A comic centric, you know, show would be awesome in New York. Because mm. uh, we currently really don't have that. Um, all right. So let's move on to this week's releases. We've got Avatar Press. We've got Extinction Parade, number five, and God is Dead, number seven. Um, from Boom Studios, we have Adventure Time, number 25, uh, Curse, number 2, Loki, Ragnarok, and Roll, number 1, <laughs> uh, Midas Flesh, number 3 of 8, um, and Robocop, Memento Mori, number 1. Um, from Dark Horse Comics, we have BPRD, Hell on Earth, number 116, 
Um, we've got Conan the Barbarian, number 25. Dark Horse Presents, number 33. Skyman, number 2. Um, Star Wars Darth Vader and the Cry of Shadows, number 3 of 5. Star Wars Dawn of the Jedi Force War, number 4. Strain the Fall, number 8. Terminator, Enemy of My Enemy, number one, and White Suits, number one of four. Just need longer titles. I tried, That's I tried what they have to, to hold do. it in. I looked over at Bob and I couldn't do it. From DC Comics, we have Animal Man, number 28. Batman 66, number eight. Batman and Two-Face, number 28. Um, we've got Batman Beyond Universe, number seven. Um, Batwoman, number 28. Birds of Prey, number 28. Fables, number 138. Green Lantern, New Guardians, number 28. Harley Quinn, number three. <laughs> He-Man, the Masters of the Universe, number 10. Justice League, number 28. I'm actually buying that one. Really? Oh, the Metal Men. I'll try one. <laughs> I'm not going to be happy, They're but I'm going to They're smiling on the cover. Yeah. They, they probably just killed somebody. Big smile. <laughs> Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 28. Uh, Scribblenauts Unmasked. A Crisis of Imagination, number 2. Supergirl, number 28. Teen Titans Go, number 2. Trinity of Sin, Pandora, number 8. Uh, Unwritten, volume 2. Apocalypse, number 2. Um, we've got Wonder Woman number 28, uh, from Dynamite Entertainment, we have Ash and the Army of Darkness number four, we have Badass number two, Battlestar Galactica Starbuck number four, King's Watch number four, Red Sonia number seven, uh, we've got Warlords of Mars number 33, Warlord of Mars Deja Thoris number 36, um, from IDW, we've got Ben 10 number four. We've got G.I. Joe, a real American hero, number 199. Uh, G.I. Joe, special missions, number 12. Godzilla, rulers of Earth, number 9. Jericho, season 4, number 5. X-Files, conspiracy, teenage mutant ninja turtles, (laughs) number 1. I got no idea what that's going to be about. Um, Image Comics, we have Alex plus Ada, number 4. Yes. Uh, Surprisingly coming out very timely. (laughs) Is why I'm just saying because it's the Lunar Brothers. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Ah, it took me a second. Gotcha. I got it. Ghosted number seven. Uh, Krampus number three. Morning Glory is number thirty-seven. Peter Panzerfaust number seventeen. Protectors Inc. number four. We've got Savage Dragon number one ninety-three. Sex Criminals number. Oh, sorry. No, that's the second printing. The, sorry to get anybody excited. Um, <laughs> Undertow number one. Voice in the Dark number four. Um, from Marvel, we have A plus X, number 17. We've got Amazing X-Men, number four. Avenger World, number three. Captain America, number 17. Um, Daredevil, number 36, which is Ooh. the last issue oh, until the first issue. Um, Dexter <laughs> Down Under, number one. Uh, Disney Kingdom Seekers of the Weird, number two. Sweet. We've got... Um, so, I didn't know this was coming out until I read this list today, Steve. What's that? There's a full collected volume of Journey into Mystery by... Kieran Gillen. Get out. Yeah. Um, Marvel Knights Hulk, number three. Uh, New Warriors, number one. Um, Night of Living Deadpool, number three of four. Nova, number 13 point now. Punisher, number two. Savage Wolverine, number 15. Um, Superior Spider-Man Team Up, number 10. Uncanny X-Men, number 17. <coughs> Sorry, and X-Men, number 11. Probably um, my last one. How much do they want for that Journey into Mystery Beast? It's uh, 35 bucks. Awesome. It's not bad at all. No. That's awesome. Yeah. Um... Oni Press, no, those are, those are trades. Um, no singles from them this week. Uh, Valiant, Bloodshot in the Hardcore, number 19. Quantum and Woody, number 8. And Unity, number 4. And from Xenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales, number 94. We have Tales from Oz, number 2. And Wonderland Asylum, number 2. And that's all the releases. There you have it. Man. For this week. Um, 
it's a tr- we got a trim two-hour show, you know, short show. Yeah. <laughs> Just talking about books. That's all we talked about was books. Um, so, uh, guys, um, you can follow us on Twitter at Talking Comics, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, and TalkingComicBooks.com, of course, is the website. Visit our forums, join up there, and also make sure we love when you guys interact in the forums, but make sure you comment on the stories and interact with the writers yes. there. Um, they're working real hard on the articles and they love talking to you guys. Um, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve? Mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie? I'm at hello cookie. And Bob Emo. And well, before I give that, I just I want to say you joined Twitter. No, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Throw my Not computer against the wall. But I just want to say to people, I will, my, using my email address, if you want me to not like a book that you like, <laughs> so that it won't get canceled. You can just send donations to Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. <laughs> um, and um, we, uh, guys, I'm sure you guys have noticed over the last you know few weeks and months, we've been expanding the offerings uh, uh, from Talking Comics. So, of course, we have The Misfits, um, which you can find on our feed uh, right now. So if you subscribe to the show, you, you already have it. Um, but if not, go to the site. Um, it's under podcast. Check out The Misfits. Um Hosted by Stephanie, obviously, with uh, Mara Wood and Melissa Megan. Um, great discussion about She-Hulk number one, a more in-depth one uh, that you guys can uh, definitely listen to over there. Um, we've got Talking Movies, uh, hosted by Ryan Verderoso. They just reviewed both RoboCops. I want to listen Ooh. to that. So. Yeah. yeah, i got to listen to they that They reviewed the remake, and um, they all watched the original as well um, before. And one of the hosts, I think... He had never seen RoboCop, so he, and, he, and he saw the original. Saw, since he hadn't seen it, Brian's like, "See the remake before you see the original, so we can it'd be like an interesting inverse discussion." Huh. Um, so uh, that's a pretty cool discussion. Uh, we have other things that we're going to be launching. We have plans in the works that are coming. Brian, Brian was asking for movie suggestions. Yeah. I asked for Baby's Day Out, <laughs> awesome. um, Daddy Daycare, yeah, Daddy Daycare. <laughs> uh, so uh, we have other stuff coming that we'll be we'll be talking about very very soon. So look for that stuff. But um, thank you guys again for listening, and thank you for all the support out there. It's been it's been really awesome, and um, we'll keep doing it if you guys keep listening. So for Steve, later, Bob, good night, and Stephanie, doodles. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. Talking Comics.